It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, if you'd like to hear this show without ads and plugs interrupting, there's one thing you can do right now to make that happen, and that is become a PW Torch VIP member. You get about a dozen other podcasts throughout the week that I host that are VIP exclusive, and you get the Wade Keller post shows and podcasts during the week with the ads and plugs removed, all on a separate feed exclusively for VIP members. Plus, tons of other podcasts that are VIP exclusive, access to our full archives of podcasts dating back to 2004, which includes post pay per view roundtables dating back to late 2004. Also access to our full archives, thousands of podcasts, over 1,500 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter that started it all, Add free access to our website and more. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com to get full details and then jump to our sign-up form. It's mobile-friendly, desktop-friendly. In two minutes, you can be a VIP member, show support for us, and we'll give you a lot in return, including a streamlined listening experience on your iPhone or Android device with the ads and plugs removed. Go check it out, pwtorchvipinfo.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. 
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's time for Wade's interview with one of Pro Wrestling's newsmakers. We have a double header for you today on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast for November 17th, 2020. First up is a full in depth preview of WWE Survivor Series coming up. On Sunday night, Sam Roberts from the Not Sam Wrestling Podcast. He's got a show on WWE Network now also. Joins me for an in-depth look at uh, all the matches. We focus a lot on the intriguing and compelling Roman Reigns-Drew McIntyre match. Talking about Drew McIntyre as a character and where he's gone and what there is left to do to turn him into a fully developed top, top guy. And we talk about the pros and cons of different possible outcomes on Sunday. And then we'll also uh, go in-depth on all the other matches, including the Team Raw, Team SmackDown men's match and some internal storylines there and what could come out of it. Also on the women's side, we talk about Team Raw, Team SmackDown and Shayna Baszler in particular and the journey that she's on right now with Nia Jax. And of course, Sasha Banks versus Asuka, New Day versus Street Profits, and Sami Zayn against Bobby Lashley in a battle of champions. Then after that, a half-hour interview with AEW president Tony Khan talking about the first year or so of AEW Dynamite. My first question to him was, not counting the pandemic, what is the biggest surprising negative challenge that he's faced so far running a weekly TV show on national cable? And also, what was the biggest pleasant surprise of the first year? And also, how did he specifically change his approach to booking when he decided he needed to make adjustments at the end of 2019? He kind of reassessed things when they lost a demo rating one week and tried to crack course going into 2020. He details that thought process. Also, how has AEW Dark changed the role in his mind that that show plays and why? And also uh, asked about the heel babyface construct and how has the lack of full crowds affected the pace of storylines and how faces and heels are presented. And also how, how has he course corrected Hangman Adam Page over the last year based on different feedback and different circumstances. And also how much attention does he pay to minute by minute fluctuations in viewership? And does that affect his booking decisions? PW Torch columnist Sean Radican joined me for that half hour interview with Tony Khan. And that comes up after my hour-plus conversation with Sam Roberts previewing Survivor Series. VIP members, by the way, got to hear the full Tony Khan interview early on Tuesday afternoon, a VIP-exclusive early release of that interview, ad-free, of course. So go VIP and don't miss out on early releases, exclusives, and hear all the Wade Keller shows and daily casts with the ads and plugs removed. Wouldn't that be nice? Go VIP and get all those benefits. Full details at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. That's pwtorch.com slash govip. And don't forget, pwtorch.com is your home for live coverage of TV shows and pay-per-views, including 
Survivor Series is Sunday. I'll have my full detailed report on Survivor Series ongoing during the event. So you can uh, follow along whether you're watching the show or not and find out what's happening and my thoughts on it and star ratings. And then, of course, VIP members will hear the post-Survivor Series roundtable that I'll host with Todd Martin and Bruce Mitchell. While simultaneously, Greg Parks will be hosting the live post-show on the PW Torch Daily Cast. So a lot coming up this weekend and a lot to talk about before we get there. So let's get to it. First up, Sam Roberts talking Survivor Series with me. All right, Sam. I have to admit I was uh, excited about a Roman Reigns-Drew McIntyre match after SmackDown last Friday. They got me... Got me very much primed for that. But I was skeptical that they would do it because, I, you know, there are some positives, but there are some negatives. And and when I put in context why Drew McIntyre lost to Randy Orton, I thought, well, that's probably so Randy could fight Reigns and they could save Drew against Reigns for another time. But lo and behold, last night on Raw, <laughs> Drew McIntyre regains the WWE title. Um, tell me about your your whether you were surprised and, and how you kind of frame what we saw Friday and Monday and also the initial title change and how the path to Survivor Series now maybe changes how you look at that. Uh, I think it's super interesting, and it's become it's become the grand tradition of Survivor Series. I actually think that they should make this into a storyline next year, like acknowledge that this is, I don't know, you would know better than me. This is, I think it's the third straight Survivor Series. It's certainly the third in recent memory where the WWE Championship has changed hands days before the pay-per-view and changed the champion versus champion match. But, you know, I think that that's, now that it's happened a third time, it happened with uh, Daniel Bryan, it happened with Jinder Mahal. Uh, now that it's happened the third time, I feel like they should acknowledge it going forward. But I'm kind of with you. Like I, 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 On the positive side, I think we're heading into a Survivor Series with a really good SmackDown on Friday. And I, probably the, I, the best Raw in a long time this week. Uh, I thought, though, that Drew showing up on SmackDown was actually just primer for what would eventually be a WrestleMania match. I, I I felt like the Drew Roman match would be that battle of the WWE superpowers that you could really cement by the time you get to WrestleMania. So that's what I thought it was. I thought it was kind of a red herring and getting us all excited and then getting us upset that it didn't happen, which would then lead to ultimately a great joy when we got to see this WrestleMania match. Um, that said, it certainly makes for a huge headline match for Survivor Series. You're not looking at that show now wondering, oh, what's the big match? What are they going to close with? I wonder what's the big... It's, to me, you know, you're tuning into Survivor Series for the Undertaker's retirement celebration and for Drew versus Roman. Um, Yes, I, I when you look at the Survivor Series lineup, if you had Roman Reigns against Randy Orton, I mean, I like that match, but yeah. it doesn't feel like... It makes up for not having a clear-cut other standout main event that people are like, oh, I can't miss that on Sunday night. And now I think they have, for better or for worse, in the, in the long run. Um, they have, and, and I don't think it has to be for the worse. A lot of it depends on how the match goes and what the, what the finish is, which we can get into. Um, for better or for worse, we have a reason to tune in on Sunday if you were wavering. Because, yes, a couple years ago they had a 10-minute match at WrestleMania in the mid-card. Um, but the roles were reversed. Drew is in a very different place. Roman in a very different place. This, and, and I wrote the cover story of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter this week. Um, it's getting prepped for mailing in the other room as I speak to you, Sam, um, mm-hmm. uh, on Sorry. this topic. And how this could be the beginning of, it could be, 
We don't know. But the beginning of Drew and Roman being seen in this role, Drew is a face, Roman is a heel, as the same generation rivals on a level of, say, Steve Austin and The Rock, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan, and take your pick from Ultimate Warrior, Randy Savage, Ric Flair, however you want to do that, or Andre even. Um, and heck, even John Cena, Batista, or whoever you kind of figure would fit in there. This could be the beginning of that. They're both 35. They're within two weeks of each other age-wise. It's, it's crazy. Um, and they've taken very different paths to get to this point. But this could be the beginning if Drew solidifies himself the way that Roman has in Vince's eyes as his top guy. Uh, or one of his top, top guys, maybe a better way to put it. This could be the beginning of something really special for the next five, six, seven, eight years and maybe beyond, Sam. Yeah, it's also really fascinating to think about the fact that they've both reached this point at the exact same time, meaning the point where fans are accepting them as the two top guys. It's very, very clear, even without, well, I guess they're live fans, but even without fans physically in the building. I think, you know, the, 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 the vibe you get from wrestling fans is that there is no longer pushback on who the top stars are. Yeah. Drew McIntyre is the accepted top good guy in WWE, and Roman Reigns, you know, far and away is the accepted top bad guy in WWE. And I think that as much has been made about Drew McIntyre's journey to get to where he's at today, Roman Reigns was on a very similar journey in the sense that even though He's had multiple WrestleMania events, even though he's been a quote-unquote top guy. The journey is to fans accepting him as a top guy. You know, it's not unlike Rocky Maivia and The Rock, except the turn didn't happen until years and years and years later. It would be like if they, you know, made Rocky Maivia main event WrestleMania three years in a row or something like that. Um, so I think that that's another element to this story. You know, I think you've got two guys two performers, two superstars that are both just at the right time in their careers to be the top people in WWE. And I've been thinking about it a lot because I was thinking about WWE in 2002. And just because I was watching, I was actually watching Survivor Series from 2002. And I think it's a, it's an underrated time because of the post-Attitude Era feeling. But as you watch that show, you can start to feel it really shows up. You can start to feel what's happening with the company, where it's going, all of that. Um, I, I feel like with Roman and Drew, we may be re-entering a period not unlike that. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're now on Patreon. By popular demand, you can now support us directly through Patreon. Go to Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. We have three tiers, including an entry level tier one that takes the ads and plugs away. You can have the VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast. That's 14 podcasts per week, but with the ads and plugs edited out. Plus, you get the VIP after shows. Don't be left out anymore from those for just $4.99 at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. We also have a second tier and a third tier where you can upgrade to get other VIP content, including other VIP podcasts and the PW Torch newsletter, the current ones and 20 years ago version. So go check it out, patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let, let's talk about, because I agree with you on everything in terms of uh, fans accepting uh, Drew and Rome, and obviously accepting Roman in this new role much more than the old one. Although we don't have the live crowd reaction uh, to, to confirm it, I think we're pretty safe in saying, based yeah. on social media, anecdotal, and, and just sort of your own eyeball test, uh, this is working. And, and even ratings to a degree. I think Drew can use this match. This is one of the bright sides of doing this match now. Is I think Drew on Friday... He shared the stage and the spotlight on Roman Reigns' home turf, and he looked like he belonged. He stood there and didn't seem like he the the the, the stage was too big for him, nor nor should it. Nor I'm not surprised, but it was nice to see him stand opposite a Roman, look physically bigger than him. Not so much that it was like whoa, it makes Roman look small, but Drew looked like a badass. Uh, but not where you'd feel bad that he's beating up poor little Roman Reigns at all. Because uh, Roman, obviously, is, is as a heel, is just spectacular right now. So that, I think, helped just being opposite of Roman and being treated as an equal. 
gave Drew a boost that made him a stronger lead babyface than he was before SmackDown started last week. And now regaining the title with a clean win. They had all kinds of options. All kinds of options for shenanigans. And they didn't do any of them. They even teased us with one when Adam Pearce said, oh, now it's no count, not no DQ. And, of course, the WWE viewer, a savvy one, goes, okay, that's not to create law and order. That's to open up the floodgates for interference. And we didn't get it. Drew got a a clear, uh, decisive win over the guy declaring himself the, the best ever right now. So Drew's had a good weekend, and Sunday can be more of that. As we talk about this happening at a good time for Drew, I think it's a good time for Drew, but I don't think he came into this as strong just a few days ago as he feels right now as we talk about Survivor Series. I think this actually will be seen not only as a a time when Drew was established as a top babyface, but but in a week or uh, I guess a uh, nine-day period that solidified and elevated his status in that way, especially if things go well on Sunday. I would agree in a big way. I, I think that Drew, the last two shows, and I don't know if people are even so conscious of it or if it's just, I mean, it's been done so well in the last two shows with Drew McIntyre that, I, or maybe it's just me. I felt like I wasn't sure that Drew was still the same Drew that he was coming off of WrestleMania. Coming off of WrestleMania, it was like, yep, this is the dude. And, he, and, and, and you know, he, he was making the best of the worst situation imaginable for somebody who was, you know, a a good guy champion for the first time in his life. But, you know, having Dolph Ziggler, having Bobby Lashley, it's like, okay, like, uh, you know, just kind of stacking opponents in front of him. I I was like, okay, you know, I can accept that that needs to happen. But by the end of the Randy Orton rivalry, and Randy Orton is, I think, performing at a a career all-time high right now. I think he's incredible. But... I do think that I was starting to feel like Drew was not this babyface hero and not the guy that was necessarily dependable. I think not. I'm sorry. Dependable is the wrong word, but not the guy that you would go. Yup. He's the top good guy, unstoppable good guy of the company. He's this generation's Hulk Hogan. I think that um, the ambulance match and the finish of that match with Drew getting all the help, uh, you know, he won. He beat Randy with a backslide which was I was fine with because I figured you followed up with something else. But then he beat Randy in an ambulance match with 150 people helping him, which I don't think made Drew look specifically menacing. Um, Then Randy beat him. And I have felt like ever since Randy beat him, Drew has not even been acting like a good guy. I, I, I felt like Drew coming out and jumping Randy Orton didn't wasn't working for me because Randy beat him clean. In, in the cell. So I, I was like, well, Drew should be mad at himself, not mad at Randy. Um, but on SmackDown, when he confronted Roman and when he got his match, and he's talking to Adam Pearce and when he beat Jey Uso and he did all that stuff, that's when I started to feel like, oh, okay, this is the Drew McIntyre that was coming off of WrestleMania. This is the Drew McIntyre I thought we were going to get. And then even Raw this week, I was, I was into it. I thought all the sort of this stuff that Seamus presented him with, even though, like, I mean, I would think that that's leading somewhere with Seamus. The sword and the kilt and the ceremony and the new gear and everything, like, that all did it for me. Like, that all really made me feel like this, yeah, that's right. He's a star. I loved the stabbing the stage and the fireworks go off. It, It made me go, okay. I felt like as Roman had been going up, Drew had maybe been dipping a little bit. 
And I feel like in the last two television shows, they've done a tremendous amount of good work to get Drew back to this place where you're right. He's I'm looking at him as an equal to Roman Reigns going into this. With with the new gear um, inspired by Sheamus and and, and the uh, quick ring entrance uh, upgrade and all that or update, it sends a message to viewers in sort of a meta way too. Vince is committed to Drew. Yeah. You know, now it could have gotten corny. I mean, it might have been a setback. I don't think it was. I think it was cool. Uh, But Sunday is a key time for this messaging to continue to build on what you just described. Um, and, and I think accurately that, that Drew seems like he's getting a boost in the last few days. Does Drew McIntyre need to beat Roman Reigns? Should Roman Reigns, as a returning heel who hasn't had a chink in his armor uh, yet, lose to Drew? Should Roman or can he afford to without losing some momentum? Or is this a match where you almost are rooting for shenanigans, outside interference by somebody. And there's a lot of options out there, including Sheamus and, and Miz and, and Jey Uso and Jimmy Uso, um, Randy Orton himself. I mean, there's a lot of ways that they could do something. The Fiend, um, it, do you kind of think you need to do that here in this champion-champion match? Because this isn't a, a situation where you have a lopsided dynamic between the two champs where one can afford to lose to the other and people go, well, yeah, we kind of expected that, no big deal. In this case, if Drew lost to Roman, I think it sends a message to fans, oh, Vince is still into Roman, and it'll be seen as defining Drew down a little bit. And if Roman, if Drew beats Roman, it could be a setback for Roman's character, depending on how he handled it and how they played it. So you, your thoughts on, on how this should play out and the pros and cons of different options? Uh, I think the one option that would be a colossal mistake would be Drew losing cleanly. I think that anything else you could make work but I don't think if Drew were to lose clean on Sunday, it would it would be a huge detriment. It would be a real setback. I think fans I think it would be a, a setback to both, quite frankly. I think there's a good chance that fans would start going, oh, wait a minute. Maybe Roman is still just Vince's boy, not like this is the new Roman and Paul Heyman's with him and, and he's disruptive and, and this is different. And we don't um, resent him anymore. We're embracing him. But all of a sudden the resentment feelings come back if it comes exactly. at the expense of Drew. Yeah, exactly. Especially because. Roman was uh, Roman didn't even really beat Jay Uso clean, so if, if he, he like he so so he shouldn't beat Drew McIntyre clean if he didn't beat Jay Uso clean. Um, I think for me the best case scenario is a Roman Reigns victory with shenanigans, and I think all the shenanigans. I think somebody from the Raw side gets involved. I think that the 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 Samoan family gets involved. You know, I think that that you have elements in there that are going to further two stories on both Raw and SmackDown. You know, the last thing you want is for people to show up on Monday and go, "I'm ready for the Drew Roman rematch to happen right now." Um, I think that the the best thing you can do is have a kick-ass match first and foremost. Like, I mean, have these guys tear the house down with each other. And then get to a point where if it's Randy, if it's Sheamus, if it's Miz, if it's Fiend, whatever, whoever you're going to go with, have somebody do something. Even if it's a matter of Drew gets taken out by somebody, Roman beats him, and then Miz comes out and cashes in or something like that. Just so we leave Survivor Series thinking, number one, Roman did it again. Sneaky bastard. And number two, 
Drew is going to make somebody on that Raw roster pay tomorrow night. Um, because I think that short-term, you want Drew to have a, a hill to climb on Raw. And long-term, you want Drew to need to get that victory back against Roman Reigns. Do you think this is a match that they go back to at WrestleMania, or are there just too many unknowns to, to make that call yet? You know, I hope so. There are too many unknowns to make the call. But I, this is what I want to see at WrestleMania. I would, my, as a wrestling fan, like for the spectacle, I get it. Roman Reigns versus The Rock would be amazing. But as a fan, as a wrestling fan, as a, as a lifelong fan, as a WWE fan, as somebody who watches the show every week, Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre in the main event of WrestleMania is the main event that I want to see this year. I think that that you've you've gotten to a place where you can do a match where the most star power in that match is finally two members of the active, current, everyday, full-time roster. And that, to me, is so good, not only for Roman, not only for Drew— but for WWE as a brand, you know, I think there's still plenty of spots on WrestleMania for legends and, and celebrity cameos and all that stuff. I'm not against any of it. And in, in many cases, I'm certainly not against somebody like The Rock or somebody like Brock Lesnar coming in for the main event. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that if every year at WrestleMania you build a super match around somebody that's either not full-time or somebody that's a legend or somebody that's a celebrity, slowly it could start to damage the everyday of the brand. And I think that if you show up to WrestleMania this year and you go and you just declare the match that everybody wants to see, the reason people are buying tickets, the reason if people are buying tickets, the reason that people are buying network, su network subs, the reason people are talking about this on mainstream media is because we have the biggest wrestling match in the world. It's Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. 
On Sunday nights with a WWE or Impact pay-per-view, we go on the air at the conclusion of that pay-per-view. You can listen live, but of course the full show is available for download on demand anytime shortly after it airs. Visit PWTorchDailyCast.com and click the live stream link to find the next scheduled live show link. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Wrestling Night in America every Sunday, PWTorchDailyCast.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And what is the Royal Rumble workaround then? To me, the, uh, to me, the Royal Rumble workaround would be uh, Drew wins again. Okay. You know, yep. I, I, and I, I think that I... I think that could be cool. I, it, you could tell that story in the right way. Like, you know, last year's Royal Rumble was one of the best of all time. So, you know, I, I, I think, you know, to do that, you really have to set up a red herring. Like, you really have to set it up so that there are multiple people that Roman Reigns could face. There are multiple people that whoever is the Raw champion could face. Like, because otherwise, you can't go into Royal Rumble with it being so on the nose. Like, obviously, I'm not the only one in the world that's had this idea. But I think if you create some red herrings and you tell the story the right way, you could end up in a situation again where fans really want Drew to win. Maybe you put John Cena in the Royal Rumble and people go, mm-hmm. oh, no, they're going to make – John Cena's going to win. Like, of course, they, John Cena wouldn't come back to lose and have John Cena and Roman Reigns smack-talking each other. And John Cena's in the Rumble and then Drew eliminates him. And you go, whoa, oh, what do we have here? And then – and then, you know, you go on and do a different match with John Cena, if you've got him. John Cena just popped into my head. Uh, and then go with the Roman-Drew McIntyre match instead and, and have John Cena change course. Just because, I, you know, I think we need more red herrings to kind of throw us yeah. off. <clears throat> that's, that's the thing. Too often going into the Rumble, you can just narrow it down yes. too much. I, with, with Drew, too, if he's still champion and Roman's still champion of the respective brands, Drew can be a surprise entrant. And if Drew were to lose under nefarious circumstances on Sunday, and Roman were to brag about it. Because Roman already said nobody watches Raw. So shots were fired last mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Friday. Roman's going there. He's 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 you know saying, I, I, I'm on the A brand. More people watch this show. He exaggerated how few people watch Raw. Um, Drew could get sick of it and enter the Rumble as the reigning champion with the idea being, and he can announce this ahead of time or not, that... He wants to get his hands on Roman, and he knows the only way to do that, because Roman won't accept the challenge otherwise, is to win the Rumble and choose to face him. So there is a storyline way that plays into the Rumble rules that just breaks from tradition in the sense that 20, 29 
wrestlers are fighting for a chance to face either the Raw or SmackDown champ, WWE or, or Universal. And it turns out the 30th guy is entered f- with one goal in mind, not to face himself, obviously, but to face the other champion at WrestleMania. So that does seem like a, a path that they could take. And it just doesn't seem like this this coming year would be the time to do Rock because the way things are going, we're, we're, I don't know that we can have a full stadium by then. I don't know the turnaround time on, on uh, getting a vaccine out there. And I don't know if anything's going to happen productive in the next two months, unfortunately, to expedite that. So yeah. um, we might be in a situation where, you know, that is a match that makes more sense. And I don't know what the other alternatives are. Um, I'm sure you and I could talk for 20 minutes and, and conjure up a few scenarios, John Cena among them. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that it, this does seem like a real, like a, a real, I don't want to, say, I don't want to label it likely, but a doable and effective journey to go on. And it would also explain why we're seeing what we're seeing heading into Sunday and might explain what we see on Sunday. Do you think, Sam, they had this in mind the whole time? Like, do you think Vince mapped out in his mind on Monday, November 16th, Drew McIntyre is going to regain the title from Orton and Drew's going to have been on SmackDown the previous Friday? No, no, I don't think so. Obviously, I have no idea. You know, I'm just watching the shows. But, I mean, I felt that about face in Drew on Friday. I feel like that was a deliberate move. You know, I, I, I feel like whatever thought was going on with Randy Orton winning the title, that at some point the decision was changed and it was saying, no, we want Drew McIntyre to, to be Hogan. We want Drew McIntyre to be our guy. And he's got to show up on SmackDown and be the guy. And in order to be the guy, he's got to be the champion. I, I think sometime before SmackDown on Friday is when the decision was made. I think that would be my guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, and it, it does come across that way. Yeah. Um, the way the way that it played out. It's finally here. The Young Bucks autobiography, "Killing the Business from Backyards to the Big Leagues." It came out today, Tuesday, November seventeenth, and you can download it for free with this special offer at audible.com/wade. That's audible.com/wade. Try Audible Premium Plus. Normally $14.95 a month and get a free title with your free trial. And that can be Killing the Business from Backyards to the Big Leagues, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson's autobiography. By the way, you don't have to focus just on wrestling. So I used last month's credit with Audible to download Joe Biden by Evan Osnos. And I'm learning a lot about Joe Biden, what makes him who he is and how he's changed over the years. And it'll help me understand what kind of president he's likely to be. Audible has also introduced a new lower-priced tier called Audible Plus. And with a special holiday offer, you pay only $4.95 a month for your first six months. And after your first six months, it's still only $7.95 a month to download and stream thousands of all-you-can-listen audiobooks, originals, and popular and exclusive podcasts and unique Audible originals like the Words Plus Music series. So check it out. Audible is how you can listen to audiobooks and so much more guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and so much more. Check out details at audible.com slash Wade and choose the Premium Plus free trial, the Audible Premium Plus trial, normally $14.95 per month, and you can use your free credit to get Killing the Business by Matt and Nick Jackson. It came out today, November 17th. So be one of the first to listen to the book in your car during your workout while doing dishes. Again, that's audible.com slash Wade.
and choose the Premium Plus free trial to get your free new release, Killing the Business with Matt and Nick Jackson, or choose the lower tier, the new Audio Plus free trial membership. I've got the app on my phone. I really look forward to opening that app, and I usually have two or three books I'm listening to at once in different genres to fit my mood, and I think you'll enjoy the Audible membership also. So again, that's audible.com slash wade. That's audible.com, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash wade, W-A-D-E. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One more thing I drew that came to mind a few minutes ago, and that is, how do you feel he's coming along on interviews and character development? I, I, you know, we saw Drew McIntyre and Drew Galloway in Impact Wrestling, and I was like, okay. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, this guy can be a lead baby face for Vince McMahon. If he can, you know, scratch and claw and, and mind his P's and Q's, pick your cliche, get back there, work his way through NXT, regain trust. Um, it seemed like, okay, he can be that guy. But as I've watched him this year as a baby face, I, I haven't been able to put my finger exactly on what his character is. Um, and I'm not saying I could easily do that with John Cena, kind of once he got into that top spot either. We're Stone Cold, you could say it. Rock, you could say it. Macho Man Ray Savage, Hulk Hogan. Uh, heck, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. You could describe them a little more distinctly than I think I have been able to with Drew so far. And that's not to say that that's even a must to be effective in the role he's in. But how do you how do you kind of frame or... or, or Drew McIntyre's lead top top guy babyface act, and is it where it needs to be? And and are you with me that it, you're sort of been watching it evolve as he sort of found his own voice and his place in that spot? So I think it's still very much evolving. I think that the idea with Drew McIntyre is he's going out there and being himself. Like he that's just his character. His character is him. Like there is no bigger thing almost like the way John Cena was you know giant ultimately John Cena was just John Cena and that was what the character was and all of the history of that character played into it but the guy we saw on TV that was just John Cena um I think Drew is Drew McIntyre with an attempt to turn the likability up to 11 and I think that 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 might be what you're seeing I think that that's what I'm feeling is that I don't want to say he's feigning likability because that's got a negative connotation and that's not what I'm trying to say. But I think that that Drew is is actively and deliberately wanting to come across as his most likable self. And I think that that is the thing that is evolving. And I think that that is the thing that still feels I don't know if green is the right word. 
but that's the thing that still feels like, okay, we're, we're, we're figuring this out. Like this isn't a hundred percent comfortable. It's pretty comfortable and it, it's extremely, it's beyond passable. Like it's still good and it yeah. still is likable. Drew does come across as very likable, but I can tell that he wants to be likable. And I think that that's an art that is going to take time and that we're, is going to be a very slow evolution. And over the course of years, I think he won't be actively trying to be likable. It'll just be who his, what his on-screen persona is. But, you know, I, I, I think he's a guy who is still in the act of figuring out how to be the biggest superstar in the company. And, and, you know, that's not that's not an easy thing to just take on, especially when you're doing it deliberately. I, I think, too, like his story is he was a wrestling fan as a kid who wanted to be world champion in yeah. in WWE. And he his his personal story is he got a big head when he was a chosen one, uh, made some maturity mistakes in his 20s, had a setback. And from the moment that that setback occurred, he came on my show and laid out a game plan for how to get back to where he wanted to be. It was a wake-up call. He knew his mission. He articulated it in my interview with him in a way where I was, like, convinced. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, um, w- you know, whatever happened, he has owned it. He is uh, has already processed it. And in a short period of time, already has a game plan and is absolutely focused on one thing, which is to get to the point that we're talking about now, where he's standing opposite of Vince's other top, top guy, on a national televised show on Fox Broadcast Network heading into a pay-per-view where he's, where he's headlining. This is the moment he wanted, except for the lack of, of fans, which certainly you know validates that things are working in, in a, more, um, uh, dis, uh, a more distinct uh, way for his, his sensory satisfaction <laughs> than, than the TV screens. And that day will come um, if all goes well and he stays healthy and, and Vince you know, stays this course. But that... I think that is, a, like you say, good enough, but I don't know if people have a full sense yet, and this is what I'm looking forward to with him now, a full sense yet of who would this guy be if I sat down and had a beer with him? Like, what would we talk about? Would, what would, would he make me laugh? Would he make me think? Would he uh, lead the conversation or would I have to? Like, I still don't know as much as he's wanting to be likable that we have a as much of a sense of, of who he is and what makes him appealing as a star beyond being kind of a, a badass who's confident and affable and likable, but also won't take crap from anybody. And, and, and that is enough, but I'm, I'm waiting for the next layer or two or three where he either opens up more or amplifies some slice of who he is in a believable way. And I think that that will come. And I think that, 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 that that also comes with the sort of getting used to the idea of being the top guy and, and getting out of that pinch me moment. Cause you and I both know that, you know, the real life guy, has, I mean, this is all, this is, this is truly, you're seeing a person's dream come true and, yeah. and it didn't necessarily have to happen this way. And it wasn't supposed to happen this way. And, you know, this was reality- not a given. This was, no. this was a plan executed with, with determination and yeah. meticulous planning. And he, in, I, th- th- and that's the thing is I don't want him to be too careful now that he's there because right. he was so careful to get here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, uh, I think that, I mean, the reality is it's very interesting because, and I think you'll see this more 
as the generations continue to progress. But, you know, when you're seeing guys that are now your age and younger uh, becoming top guys, the reality is that if you sat down with Drew and had a beer, he would want to talk about wrestling. Like, and he would want to talk about the stuff he watched growing up. And he would want to talk about wrestling like he's a wrestling fan, which is really interesting because that's not a thing like, you know, top guys almost are supposed to seem above that because they're supposed to be superstars. But, you know, I, I think that that's changed. And, I, you know, I think that, that entertainment has changed. You know, accessibility is important. And that's kind of I, I think the Internet has done that a lot yeah. with with entertainment and entertainers and the idea of there being a separation of of entertainer and audience i think that 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 separation is narrowed quite a bit so i it's it's interesting it was five years ago mickey james was on the pw torch livecast and told pat mcneil she feels like wrestlers are becoming too familiar with fans and and at the time i i agreed with her you know i i felt like mystique was important but i just feel like they're the genie's out of the bottle people can pick and choose how much they want to share off and they want to share um what slice of themselves they want to amplify on social media but there is an expectation now because celebrity is no longer there's this person who I'll never see who's in this other world. It's people you interact with on a day-to-day basis who build a bond. And it is different today than it was for The Rock or than it was for Bret Hart, where you could sort of protect a mystique and limit how much access you gave to the fan base. Now the fan base, especially the younger slice of it, demands access and familiarity on a level that goes beyond and is defined differently than in previous generations. Absolutely. And that's for wrestling and all of entertainment, I think. Yes. So, yeah, so I think that you have to, that's where you have to be deliberate. And, you know, I don't think it means you absolutely have to let everybody into your life, but it means that you have to take that character with you. If there's a character that you're trying to portray on screen, then that character has to follow you into social media and into, uh, 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 you know, YouTube and into whatever else you're doing because wrestling just doesn't have the same level of separation that other television does as much as everything's evolving fans don't you, you've got to have the suspension of disbelief and and the way the suspension of disbelief works is that you're not a hundred percent sure where the line is between character and person so you know i think uh drew is just being drew maybe with the likability turned up and as long as that's the Drew that follows throughout, we'll be fine. But like, you know, like if Drew wanted to be a character, if Drew was a, you know, a Scottish knight or whatever, that would be fine. It's just that character then would have to follow him at signings and at meet and greets and all that stuff. I still think that you can't portray two different people. You know, I, 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 I think you can't portray two different people, but you can be a more realistic version of yourself in the ring than than was possible you know 10 years ago and if you look at what he projects on social media it what he projects on social media is somebody who wants to be champion of wwe and that is enough you know Mm -hmm. like um i mean he'll he'll talk about what's going on in in uh in sports that he follows especially in in europe but it's about being the, the it's how you know Shawn Michaels talked, uh, and and others, many many others. But uh, J- Michaels jumped out to me in the '90s. Is what does it mean to be the guy? You know all the all the weight that that that, that bestows upon you on a day to day basis. And 
you know, uh, Drew tweeted last night after winning the title, it's easy to talk about what's next, but for tonight, I'm thinking about what it is. Proud of my match tonight. I'm never going to take this responsibility or this feeling for granted. And, you know, he he is he's not a guy who's a character. He is a guy who wants to make fans proud. And that's the thing that jumped out to me as Drew Galloway on Impact as a babyface was he he has absolutely no problem with things that Roman Reigns just had a problem with. It wasn't a natural fit for Roman to say, I'm so excited to be champion. I'm so I thank you so much for the fan support. Um, you guys mean the world to me. Like it just that's not Roman's personality. You know, it doesn't it doesn't project out. It doesn't make him a bad guy or a good guy. It just it just was a bad fit. Drew, it's a very natural fit because it's very sincere. And I do think that's just sort of refreshing. And I think when we get past COVID and people start buying tickets again, I, I think people are going to identify with that. Um, and I don't know that it needs to be tweaked much at all. I'm, I'm just excited to see some layers added. But the guy who it's just a, all he wants is to be champion, and he's a badass, and he's he's cool, and he doesn't take himself too seriously, but he takes his job seriously. Can 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 be enough, you know? And um, but but I'm, it doesn't mean I don't crave a little more. Yeah, yeah, and 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 like I said, I think that that's all true, and I, I think that that we'll watch that evolution happen, and I think it's also it's a little bit difficult to evolve to the place where you want to get to without fans being there, you know, without like he just hasn't had the reps in in front of an audience to watch how the audience reacts to these promos he's doing. So I think until he gets the opportunity to do that as the person that he is now, as the performer that he is now, he's not going to be able to fully form into who he can be. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's uh, let's shift to uh, just Undertaker and what what to expect from that. I, I haven't gotten a real sense from the way WWE has presented it, what they want fans to expect on Sunday. Other than they say he'll be there in person and it's uh, his final farewell. What are you anticipating, and what are the odds? This is the last time we see Undertaker as sort of uh, the last time we saw him, he was an active wrestler uh, role, as opposed to saying at a Hall of Fame or something like that, versus this is a setup for an angle, and he's going to have some sort of cinematic match at WrestleMania, and this will plant the seed for it. Man, I really... I've got Sam, Mark Henry and a salmon jacket vibes on this one. I, I really... <laughs> I, I'm, I really don't think... This is a retirement ceremony. It could be, by the way. I mean, if anybody deserves to have the legitimate retirement ceremony like Ric Flair did, it would be The Undertaker. On the 30th anniversary of the character debuting. Yes, it it would be completely... It would not be a disappointment. If The Undertaker simply comes out and he's in full character and the audience thanks him and superstars thank him and that's it. It's just a celebration of The Undertaker. Then... That's fine, and and that's fitting, and and that'll you know make for a historic segment in and of itself. And I think we're gonna get that. I just also think that there'll be somebody there to spoil the party, much like. I mean, look, there's been like maybe one wrestling wedding ever that went off without a hitch, and that was <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage and Elizabeth at SummerSlam '91, but. It didn't even make it to the reception because who ruined the reception? The Undertaker and Jake Roberts. I feel like somebody is going to Undertaker, Undertaker, at his at his uh, at his farewell ceremony, and I do think that it will lead to a a match at WrestleMania. So, if someone spoils Undertaker's retirement. How yeah. long is that list of candidates, and do you have a favorite? I have three candidates, and uh, for three separate reasons. One being the most likely, but I, I have yeah. I have three. If you'd like to know, yeah, that. definitely. Yeah. So no, let's get let's move on. I don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Go ahead. As long as you have your three, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about this women's championship. <laughs> um, so. You know, the fiend is always a possibility, right? I mean, you know, yeah. I, I think that that's a fantasy thing as far as characters go. Uh, having the fiend and the dead man in a match together, I, I think, is something that people would would go crazy for. Obviously, Bray Wyatt already has the WrestleMania history with the Undertaker. I mean, it, it would be the same reason why the fiend doesn't like Randy Orton. The same reason why the fiend didn't like you know a lot of people that Bray Wyatt had had trouble with before The Fiend came around uh, would be the exact same reason, more so, because it was a WrestleMania match. I mean, this would be a very similar storyline to what was going on with John Cena and Bray Wyatt, except this is The Undertaker and The Fiend, so it's like, you know, a battle of the iconic characters. Um, so there's that. That's that's a possibility. That's like a 
I think just just something that people who love characters would get super excited for. Um, this is my personal pick. I don't know how likely it is. Um, this is one that if it happens, I think people would blame me for more than be happy for. But I would be very, very happy if it was Corbin. And I, I'm going to guess that you, you, you might think I'm nuts, but... I am I am known I, around here as a much bigger Baron Corbin booster or supporter than I ought to be. Um, okay. So so I would not be at the top of your list of people um, angry okay. at you. That said, I I I I wouldn't have put that on my top three. So make your case. So for me, I think that Baron Corbin has been treated immensely unfairly. I think that Baron Corbin. Baron, I like real heels, and I like a heel that can really pull off that kind of big guy, tough guy, but still a chicken. You know, I, I, I get real JBL vibes from Baron Corbin, and I really liked the JBL character. I thought he was a great villain and just somebody who embraced being a villain, and I think that Baron Corbin has that potential to really be a true villain and embrace being a villain when – when NXT, uh, when NXT put that package out, and it was Baron Corbin, and this was right at the height of NXT, getting all these hot, hot, hot indie guys out there. It was in Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and 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 um, um, and Finn Balor and uh, Hideo, and you know it, it, NXT was going through that wave, and it was like NXT was the spot where everybody who had been paying their dues for years that it seemed like would never get to the WWE. Finally, finally, we got to see these dream matches in a WWE ring because of NXT. And then Baron Corbin puts out this thing going, oh yeah, I hear all these guys talking about how they wrestled for hot dogs. I wanted to get to the NXT, and so I made a phone call. The I made a phone call promo to me was excellent, and it, and it really just created a true NXT heel. And I, I'm not saying that that's the gimmick, but that's the energy that I think he can carry with him wherever he is. Um, I also think that the Undertaker should win at WrestleMania. I don't. I don't. I, I think that the Undertaker has. He went out on his back to Brock, and he made Brock. He went out on his back to Roman, and you can say what you want about it, but he's done whatever. He's done his services. And there's right? not a perfect candidate for him to give a boost to at this point. Like I would. I, I agree with you, but I would. I would be. I could be swayed against Undertaker winning his last match if I felt there was that perfect person to, quote, pass the torch to had he not sort of done it before and had that person been just set up. I just don't know that person exists. Exactly. Exactly. I think he's done it. He's 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 done that part the same way John Cena already did it. So if John Cena were to come back again, he wouldn't necessarily have to lose like he's Undertaker's done it. And Baron Corbin is one of these guys that could benefit and would become a top heel the way he should be, even if he lost to the Undertaker. And people would think that Baron Corbin might win because he beat Kurt Angle. So, I, I and and you just go in. I mean, you would hate Baron Corbin going into that match against the Undertaker if you thought he might win. Uh, and, and you've got from you got from November until April. You've got you've got all this time to really build Baron Corbin up to the place that he should be in order to have a WrestleMania match with the Undertaker. And then the Undertaker does come in and beat him. So we still get that happy ending. He beats somebody that we really are booing. And then after The Undertaker is gone, Corbin is still there 
to be that that bad guy. So that's why for me in my heart, Baron Corbin would be is is my choice for what would make me happiest. Um, and then my third choice, the person that's most likely and probably the smartest choice is to do a traditional match with AJ Styles. To do the AJ Styles match, but to do it in a ring. I think that if there's anybody that can get one more very good match with The Undertaker, it's AJ Styles. Because I think that that's important, too. I, I, I think that this should not be a cinematic match. I think that this should be a, a traditional match. I think that... I don't think the cinematic matches count. Not that, that they don't, I don't like them, but... You know, I mean, if 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 the Undertaker retires today, then I guess technically the AJ Styles uh, Boneyard match was his last match. But really, I'm not. That's not how I'm going to think about it. You know, I, I'm going to think about seeing him live in the ring, mm-hmm. doing what he does. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and and so that's why I don't think it should be cinematic. I think it should be one on one in the ring. You know, the way the Undertaker has always been. Um, and I think that. AJ is the guy. It, it, it spilled over after the Boneyard match. You know, if you remember at Money in the Bank, they were hinting towards it. AJ was wearing black and purple. You know, he was scared of the coffin. It's not. It was not made clear that it was over after the Boneyard match. Plus, AJ lost. He wants to avenge that loss. He's a heel. He's got the big old bodyguard with him, so he's not going to be afraid of the Undertaker's size. Um, and... When it comes down to it, and he can lose. AJ Styles could still lose to The Undertaker, and he wouldn't be hurt by that whatsoever at all. If anything, he would he would also come out bigger. And then you can do whatever you want. After the match, if you want to make AJ Styles a good guy, have him shake The Undertaker's hand, and boom, he's one of the top good guys on Raw You know, the next night. Um, but yeah, when you just think about because I think that that's really important, is that we got to do everything we can. If The Undertaker is going to have one more WrestleMania match, you have to do everything you can to try to make it magic. And I think that if you can count on anybody to have a magical match with The Undertaker now, it would probably be AJ Styles. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. I'm going to list eight people on the active Raw SmackDown roster right now who I think are – the bar is low. That you can't eliminate them. And to me, a Mm -hmm. person who you can eliminate from that spot would be Akira Tozawa or Dominic. Okay, like, so the bar is low. These are – I just – so I'm going to read all eight. You tell me if any of them jump out to you as – yeah, I think that should be on our mind. Or no, the list is actually pretty short. There's none of those jump out. So mm-hmm. as 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 not like you couldn't do it, but that Vince m- would possibly do it. So Braun Strowman, Keith Lee, Bobby Lashley, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Lars Sullivan, Alistair Black. I think I can safely eliminate everybody else. 
And I think there's a smidgen of a chance for any of those that I just mentioned, but some of them it is just a smidgen. But the others, it's like zero. It's not going to be Murphy. It's not going to be Sami Zayn or Shorty G. So of those names, anybody jump out as like, yeah, that that'd probably be you know on my slightly longer list. Um, yeah, I mean, Alistair would be really, really cool, but you'd have to do a lot of work. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, totally. But, but again, yeah. here's the thing. Like, if somebody like an Alistair Black or a Baron Corbin that I just said, who is not ready to have an Undertaker match tomorrow, if they go in there and they disrupt this farewell, yeah. you've got four months to do the work. Like, That's you can absolutely yeah. get Black to that place. You can absolutely get Corbin to that place over the course of four months if you're starting from you just ruined the Undertaker ceremony. I mean, it could be one of these things where whoever this is, let's have a has a match with Kane at the Royal Rumble, has a match with this person, you know, and, 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 and has – the Undertaker says, I'm retired. I'm not coming back. But, you know, Kane goes, well, I didn't retire. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to fight. And then – the Undertaker's next person, whoever it is, you can have a list of people who support The Undertaker that are like, well, you know, I'll be there for it. And, and let's say it's not AJ. AJ Styles can be one of those guys that goes like, look, I've been there. You can't handle it. You have no right to do what you just did. I'm going to make you pay for it first. And, and you know, those are stories you can tell, too. But that's, that, that's part of that journey to getting somebody who might not be ready for it, ready for it. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that theoretically you could tell a story to get any of any of those people that you just mentioned there. Yeah. I don't I would prefer my 3. But Yeah, yeah. No, and I'm I'm not suggesting I'm like, "Hey, here's my top 8." As much as I just looked at the roster and said, "God, is there anyone else who isn't, you know, somebody coming from the outside, you know, who's who's right. retired, you know, Cena, Rock, Goldberg, the Sting, the likely suspects who get talked about." Um, and, and so, yeah, you're you're totally right. We're at a point where they could tell that story with Alistair Black. They could tell that story with Lars Sullivan. Um, they could tell it with Keith Lee turning heel. I'm not predicting or advocating for or anything, but that story could be told feasibly. Um, yeah. Same with Braun Strowman. Bobby Lashley would be a boost, um, you know, with MVP talking talking trash for on behalf of Lashley and Lashley jumping in. That might elevate Lashley, but do you really want to give somebody his age that match if it feels like a heavy lift to get people to care the way you'd want them to care about what could be Taker's final match? Orton, you know going uh, not full circle i wouldn't say but just you know orton's a legend he's saying he's the greatest ever undertaker could take exception to that it sort of writes itself and then you could just two guys have been around a long time have a match i don't know it's super exciting but again it's feasible and then you just have you know seth rollins as a heel or reigns as a heel as the last two on the list and the possibility of taker having a regular full-fledged match or a cinematic match with either of them if they ended up going a different direction than we anticipate um you know with, with reigns especially yeah, I mean, for, for Randy, I feel like the best part of the whole thing would be the RKO during the ceremony. <laughs> right, yes. Like, that would be the number. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, in terms of who would do best at Survivor Series, I mean, because Randy could be out there anyway because he had the WrestleMania match with The Undertaker. He could be out there just celebrating The Undertaker, and then, boom, he just drops an RKO on him. That moment itself would be gold. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure – Especially since we're all still kind of waiting for another Randy Orton Edge match. Mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, the match itself would be where I would want to go, but man, would I love that moment. So if there's a name we have not mentioned yet from, the out, from outside 
does anyone come to mind as keep keep your eyes and ears open for that possibility on Sunday? Well, I mean, you know, you always you mentioned Sting, yeah. which is something that always comes up. I'm not, you know, I don't I don't need to see the Undertaker versus Sting personally, yeah. especially at this point. You know, yeah. it's it's you know you can't you can't just get a time machine and yeah. redo the match in 1997. It should, yeah. I mean, get the video game and you can do it. <laughs> like it, it you can imagine Sting coming out and saying you can't retire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a story there for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's just. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need someone to create movement. That have to be cinematic. Um you're yes, not going to, you know, look at what they would, did with Sting, you know, with Sting last time. I mean, all the bells and whistles, so. Yeah. Yeah, that would yeah, 100% have to be cinematic. Um yeah, I I think uh you know, you 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 can never count Triple H out. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And and it's a reach. It's a real reach. Mm. But you can't say that you couldn't get Sean to come out and say, you retired me. I'm going to be the one who retires you. You're not going yeah. out the way you want. I didn't get to go out the way I wanted to go out, and you won't either. Yeah. You know, and, and you'd say, well, Sean said he's never coming back. Well, he did come back. I so, know. you know, so that is there. And and they told that story on the last ride, that Sean also is not happy with his like his last match. I would hope so not. Theoretically, <laughs> theoretically, yeah. so theoretically you, you, Sean is a guy that you could – tell that story with and say he, that I'm coming to WrestleMania to get I you you I'm going to get my win. He did one for the money, now it's time to do one for the art. Yeah. 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 And the the art could cancel out the money and you'd be good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's uh let's talk about Oscar and Sasha Banks. A It's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around what this will be other than just, you know, a good match and probably, or per, I don't, I guess probably a heel interfering to set up a match for one of, one of those two rather than de- rather than having a decisive finish where one appears better than the other. I don't know if you want both matches to end that way. So if they do that with Drew and Roman, where there's some, you know, technicality that leads to uh, a tainted Roman win that Drew wants to, to avenge, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, can they afford it to do a straight-up win for one over the other? And if so, who would that be? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm really hoping there's no interference. I think, you know, there's a strong likelihood of Carmella interfering. Um, you know, be just because you're setting up storylines that you know are not going to get paid off at Survivor Series because it's the best of the best show. So, um you know, there's a high likelihood that that would happen. But I think the best thing you could do here is have Sasha Banks get the clean victory. I think that Asuka, Asuka's been proven. Like, there, there, there's no getting around the fact that Asuka is one of the greatest of all time. Like, Asuka has taken losses before mm-hmm. and come back and still been unbeatable. Nobody is ready for Asuka, Asuka. You know, I think at this point she's kind of, it would take work to make people think that she's not a threat anymore. Yeah. Uh, With Sasha, you know, I think that the story that's being told is it's not dissimilar to the Drew McIntyre stuff. It's that that this Sasha Banks is finally the Sasha Banks that we've been waiting for. The Sasha Banks that we're seeing now is realized potential Sasha Banks. You know, I I think that when when you look back, first of all, it's very telling that the Sasha Banks... Bailey match on SmackDown 
was one of the most highly rated segments that they've done this whole time. And and that clearly the Sasha Banks uh, uh, Bailey story is one of, if not the best stories that's been told throughout this whole pandemic era. Um, and that has to do with both of them. And ultimately it has to do with the fact that Sasha Banks came out triumphantly. Um, you know, I don't think you tell that story of Sasha Banks not being able to successfully defend a championship without Sasha Banks needing to go on a string of victories. You know, what? because what that story does is it doesn't just say that Sasha Banks is not lucky. It almost says that the title wins that she's had before this one have been flukes mm-hmm. because she hasn't been able to defend those titles. And And... It's one thing to be a champion, but the words reigning, defending champion are the words that you know really make you feel like this person is a threat. And you can't say that about somebody that is never able to defend a title. So I think that that the, 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 the signal that has to be sent here, especially because these two don't have to cross paths again, and this doesn't have to hurt Asuka at all. But ultimately, I want Sasha Banks to come out of Survivor Series, and it's like, oh, my God. This is the Sasha Banks that can tap out Asuka. This yeah. is a different Sasha Banks. Like, I mean, I, I think her character watch. needs the confidence of that yeah. in her backstory to buoy her on her promos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I, I think that you, yeah, you have to look at Sasha Banks going, she's the best. I think that that because I think that's the message that we're trying to get across now. We don't have Charlotte on the active roster. We don't have Becky Lynch on the active roster. We don't have Ronda Rousey on the active roster. So. Who is the number one best woman in WWE? Sasha Banks. That's the messaging that I've been getting on SmackDown for the last three weeks. And I think that she's the right pick. And I think that, that fans like her. I, I think that this is this is the right way to go. But you can't half-step it, you know? And I think that, yeah. that you really have to make that statement a declarative statement on Sunday. And say, this is the Sasha Banks. And have Carmella come out and jump Sasha Banks after the match. But let her get that victory. And let her put Asuka in the bank statement and tap out Asuka. For Sasha to have that swagger on promos that she once had, and I think she's struggling to get back, a win over Asuka gives her, because I think as a she needs that to be believable and have that swagger. And Sasha without an authentic swagger, and I think for her, the storyline is enough. Like She needs a storyline to, to back up her words. That makes it more believable when she makes that case, and and it, it again helps helps her character be believable in that uh, in that role. Um, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Go ahead. I don't know, I don't know that a, I I don't think it would hurt Oscar, and I don't think beating I don't think beating uh, Sasha Banks does anything for Oscar. I, I agree. In fact, I, I think if if Sasha beats Oscar clean, and I think that's if there's a clean finish, it absolutely should be that way. And I hope for a clean finish. So I guess I'm hoping for Sasha beat Oscar um, when I put those two uh, steps together. I just want Asuka to stand up and congratulate Sasha. Just shake her hand yes. and raise yes. her hand and go, that was great. You're great. And then everyone loves Asuka more and they want to see her win, even though Sasha beat her. And they say, hey, someday maybe Asuka will beat Sasha if they cross paths again. Absolutely. Yeah. And point out, you know, Asuka's beaten Sasha Banks before. Ba 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 ba. Oh my God, Sasha won this time. Yep. You know, and say things like that this yes. time. Yep. So you're still giving Asuka her, her, her due. Yes. Uh, Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn. I've enjoyed Sami clinging to what 10-year-olds cling to when they debate their friends, which is the Intercontinental title is more important than the U.S. title because the U.S. is just a country and Intercontinental is uh, is bigger than that. That has been Sami's logic. 
Um, <laughs> it's a matchup of heels, but I, I assume if they had a full house, people would be behind Hurt Business every week to a degree because um, they're just cool. They dress better than anybody. Um, they point out bad jokes from New Day. And, uh, yeah, I so to me, I think Bobby Lashley would get cheered against Sammy, although there'll be some fans who just, you know, get a kick out of Sammy and cheer him. What, what are you expecting uh, in terms of how this plays out and, and what the finish is? And, and what do you think of the decision to even go with this? Because they easily could have changed one of the two titles if they wanted a more traditional heel-face matchup. Uh, they could have. I mean, you know, I... I... I think I almost think it's funny that the the hurt business are trying to portray themselves like they're bad guys because they're not. I mean, you know, they're they're just not. They're they're cool, they're popular, people like seeing them. You know, you're interested in what they're going to say when they show up on Raw like they you don't want them to lose. So, you know, I think if there were fans in attendance, I don't think they get booed at all. Like I don't think they would ever get booed. I think that they would have been full baby faces by now because there would just be no choice. Um, and people like Bobby Lashley ultimately, like, you know, I mean, there are a lot of people that just think that he's a, a badass dude. Um, you know, I, I, I think that I'm fine with it because I don't, you could maybe argue that for the purpose of this match, you could have a different match, but for the purpose of Bobby and for the purpose of Sammy, I don't want either of them to lose the title. So I'm fine with this. I think that Sammy is, is excellent he's just so good in whatever role he's in um that i i think he can lose fine and i think that you know bobby bobby should have a dominant victory here bobby bobby should really make it look like yeah he's the united states champion but if he wanted to go for that uh, wwe championship he'd be a real threat we're about to go to another commercial break why are you listening to commercial breaks why deal with these interruptions when you can become a vip member support the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, the PW Torch Daily Casts, and the entire team and everything that we do, and get a ton in return for your membership by becoming a VIP member. Go to pwtorchvipinfo.com for full details, 30 plus years of archives of podcasts, retro radio shows, over 1,600 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, a fascinating march through our coverage of wrestling history, and so much more, including... Ad-free versions of the Wade Keller podcast, Wade Keller post shows, and PW Torch daily casts, and several exclusive VIP podcasts just about every day. Dozens of VIP exclusive podcasts that you're not hearing because you're not a VIP member. So go VIP, pwtorchvipinfo.com. Subscribe to our VIP podcast feed and listen in a streamlined way with no interruptions to all of our podcasts. Again, that's pwtorchvipinfo.com. Are you a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling? Then join the New Japan Pride podcast starring Bethany Rubel and Javier Machado with an eye for the action and an eye for the story. We'll keep you abreast of all New Japan shows, both in Japan, covering World Tag League and Best of Super Juniors in November, and also covering their American expansion with New Japan Strong and December Super J Cup Tournament. And I'll watch all the Yano matches so Bethany doesn't have to. And I'll watch all of the Ibushi matches. Wait a minute. I didn't script that. <laughs> Listen to our weekly podcast exclusively with the PW Torch VIP membership. Become a member at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. And with Wrestle Kingdom just around the corner, it's a perfect time to join. 
right, so let's see. Tag Team titles. New Day and the Street Profits. Are you surprised that we're getting this matchup in that, uh, and not Cedric and Shelton? No, I, I think that this is the right way to go for sure. Um, yeah, I think that, that even though this is not a traditional good guy versus bad guy, this is like, I think that this is what doing the co- the, the Raw versus SmackDown, this is what it's all about. This is like one of these dream matches yes. that you wouldn't have a context to see had it not been for the pay-per-view stipulation. Um, so it no, feels I, like the two top babyface teams from two different yeah. territories in the 80s are going to be on some sort of super show. And it's not so much you have a rooting interest in one team beating the other unless you're from that territory, but you just want to see those two acts coexist in the ring at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I absolutely. I'm lo- really looking forward to seeing this, um, you know, whereas because it's not traditional and because the Street Profits and the New Day are going to show up like they're not going to sit there and just you, just go through the motions. I think this is going to be special for the Street Profits and for the New Day, and I think it's going to be special to to watch. I think it's going to be a really cool match. Um, for me, I would like to see the New Day win. Uh, I get the logic of having the Street Profits win. They're young. You know, let let them have this big feather in their cap. The New Day have won the title 158 times by now. I understand all that. But I or is think- it 159? And maybe 159 now, actually. I just Wikipedia'd it. You well, were right. Is, well, if that title, the switching belts, does that count or not? That was my joke. That's what it was. I, yeah, that's what yeah. I got messed up, and that yeah. does count for 159. <laughs> okay, good. All right. <laughs> um, I, I think that it might not be the Street Profits' time just yet to get that big victory against the New Day. And I think that, ironically... The New Day is back in a position where they really have to establish themselves. You know, I think that, that for the New Day, this victory might be more about proving that Kofi and Xavier, because now the New Day is Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. That's what the New Day is. It's a two-person group. So I think that what you don't want to do is get this message across that without Big E, the New Day is is lesser. You know, you, you need to somehow find a way to portray the New Day and Big E as both being stronger for being separated somehow. And, you know, I, I think the way you do that is to have Kofi and Xavier just dominate. Um, so that's my logic in, in, in having this version of the New Day win. Any chance of a heel turn by either team? And even if the odds are low, which one is more likely? I mean, I sure hope not. Um I guess the street profits would probably be more likely if 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 you told me I had to turn one of them, I think it would probably make more sense to turn the street profits than it would to turn the new day. I just I, Xavier and Kofi as villains. I, I I don't think that would work at all. I don't think anybody wants to see that ever. Um, I also think that it's important that you keep Biggie, Kofi, and Xavier on a similar plane, even if they're on separate shows, so that people know. The New Day hasn't broken up. They're just on, you know, they're just permeating throughout the WWE universe. Um, whereas the Street Profits, as they find their identity in WWE, I think that, that if one of them were going to turn, I think the Street Profits could. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it for either if I didn't have to. Yeah, yeah. So the Survivor Series is built around multi-person tag matches, and we got the Team Raw, Team SmackDown. Which of the two matches are you more interested in as of this moment? We've got more developments on SmackDown. Uh, to come on the uh, women's side. 
um, of uh, of uh, Team SmackDown this Friday. But um, it, do you think the build to either of these one is has been good or much better than the other? Um, I'm more interested in the men's match. Yeah. On this one, you know, I think that really the the women's match. I like the Lana table thing. I like Lana getting put through a table every week. I think it's funny. I think that it 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 can lead somewhere. I'm not one of these people that gets upset every time it happens. So, you know, that part of it is interesting in the sense that I I think that there will be story beats uh, in that story that I've invested in. So I'm interested in the women's match from that perspective. Um, I think, you know, probably ironic for me to say this, but I think Bianca Belair is going to be shining crazy brightly in this match. I think that that this is going to be Bianca's match. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that's kind of what I expect out of the women's match. I expect the, the Nia, Shayna, Lana story to either continue or to hit a new, uh, plateau. And I expect Bianca Belair to, to be her coming out party. Are you enjoying and encouraged by what you've seen with Shayna Baszler, playing off of Nia Jax as not just a badass, but also a bully. And because I've been making the case that if I'm trying to understand the approach that Vince McMahon has taken with her, part of that is just understanding who Vince McMahon is and what he looks for. And, you know, NXT promoted her a certain way. And Vince McMahon is like, I don't know what to do with this. I got weekly TV. I need a character. I can't have someone just rubbing their hands together saying they're going to beat somebody up. That's not what I do. That's not my sports entertainment approach. So he's, has her fighting Nia Jax to the point that they team together reluctantly, and then they sort of bond, but they still have tension. And she gets to play off of Nia Jax instead of staring into a camera and reciting some memorized lines. I don't know if this is a great story or a great angle. I don't know that it's awful either, but I think it's forcing Shayna Baszler to grow as a performer when it comes to being well-rounded in terms of what Vince McMahon looks for. And I think we'll look at 2020 as Baszler's career progresses, even though she's not in her 20s. She's not, you know, it's not like there's a long arc for her career that um, for her to develop over years. But I think we'll look at this year as a chance where she was sort of forced and forced to and spread her wings as a character more and might come out of this better. Do you buy into that enthusiastically or not at all? I do. I do buy into it. I think... I more think of it when I see it as, look, uh, I, 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 my favorite Shayna Baszler is obviously NXT Shayna Baszler. I loved watching Shayna Baszler just dominate throughout the entire division. But clearly, you know, after Elimination Chamber, actually, I guess after WrestleMania, that just wasn't the vision that was had for her on on the Raw roster, and and it hasn't been a fit. And that version of Shayna Baszler was not a fit for whatever reason on Raw. Uh, I would rather have Shayna in the position that she's in now than either A, not on TV, or B, just kind of floating in this role where she's trying to portray herself as dominant, but she's not beating any of the top people ever. And she's not being, she's not even close to being champion. So I don't know why she is is portraying herself as dominant. Um, I think that this is a good spot for her in terms of finding her place on the main roster and and kind of transitioning out of that NXT version of her character and into the 
raw version of her character, you know, and I think that while this is a more understated role and while she's not having all the glory that she once had, I think the fact that she's doing this successfully and to me, the Nia Shayna team as a team works, the fact that that works, I think ultimately is a very good thing for Shayna and for the longevity of her character on Raw. Do they break up soon? And if so, who's the face? And do they feud with each other or just go their separate ways? You know, I really hope they don't break up soon. Yeah. Because if they do, Shayna would have to be the good guy. Yeah. Nia's not going to be a good guy. I don't know if Nia will ever be a good guy. Ever. <laughs> I know. Yes. Nia's too good at that. I love, I love when you get a, a, a bad guy and, like, even the smart fans turn on them. You know what I mean? Like, even, like, like the... People don't like Nia Jax. People hate Nia Jax. You read on the internet, you read, people hate her. And so it's like, why not lean into that? Yeah. Why, okay, let's go with that. Let's not try to reverse course here. Let's, that's the energy we're getting. Let's go in that direction. And that's, 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 that's a place where Nia is doing really well, in my opinion. I like seeing it. So, and, but I don't, that said, I think, Shayna couldn't that like that team couldn't just break up and then Shayna is the hero that's finally going to stop Nia. That wouldn't that wouldn't work. Nia is too good at being a bad guy for Shayna to stop her because Shayna is not as good at being a good guy yet. You know, I think mm -hmm. if if you had a different way of getting there, if you had a year of Shayna being a good guy and 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 finally having a big match with Nia Jax or something like that, then maybe. But yeah, I mean if. I don't think they should break up. I think they're a good team. I think it's good for both of them. If they were to break up, then I would hope they would just kind of go their separate ways, just kind of trickle away, not have some blow up. Thank you for listening to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Also, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. This show, the podcast, have our blue logo. The Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows have our red logo. Just search Wade Keller and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Pro Wrestling Podcasts and click subscribe to the red logo and you can download our Raw, SmackDown, AEW, and sometimes NXT post shows. I'm joined by a co-host to add a different perspective to the analysis for the show where we talk to live callers, on-site correspondents who are in the building who tell us what did not air on TV, and we also answer mailbag questions. Those shows are available for download within a few hours after the shows end on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights. So there's a fast turnaround to get your fix. So check it out. That's the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Just search Wade Keller. You can also stream the show live at wadekellerpostshow.com about five minutes after the show's end on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night. On the men's side, uh, AJ Styles, uh, self-proclaimed team captain, certainly playing the role, trying to get everybody to get along. Hasn't been working out too well. That's clearly a key story on the Raw side. And then on the Team SmackDown side, we still got a member, uh, somewhat a slot to fill, but you have the the Jey Uso aspect of it, and Roman Reigns on Friday declaring that he has a stake in this. He wants his team. He's identifying himself in essence as the captain of SmackDown, the tribal leader of SmackDown. Uh, there's going to be a, a Roman Reigns cloud over this match, or that's probably not the right term, but a, a he's going to factor in on people's minds watching it, depending on how Jay performs. Um, so those are kind of the two storylines. They don't mesh a lot. There's not a lot of overlap. They kind of both exist on their own. Um, but I'm still intrigued by this. I, I, I'm 
I'm curious to see what comes out of the Team Raw dissension and who pairs off and does a character change. If is you know does Keith Lee end up feuding with AJ Styles or or what? Like so, what what do you think comes out of both Team Raw and Team SmackDown um, individually? And then do you see a, a logical overlap in terms of the way the match plays out, or do they just sort of exist in separate worlds and they exchange pins and then the storylines just branch off into their own brand specific way? No, I mean I think for me they Raw especially they've done good work uh, making this Raw team a storyline. Uh, I, I've I've really enjoyed AJ Styles as the as the team captain and the can't we all get along and, and like you know all that stuff. I, I think AJ's done a pretty good job um, and he's been pretty entertaining. Uh, you know I what I would really like to see is SmackDown be the team that can't get along. Because I, I, I want to get to SmackDown and have Roman win his match, but have Jay lose his match. And so Jay is still in the doghouse, and Jay is still paying for it, and Roman is still disappointed. The big doghouse, you stand correct. Yes, that's yes. right, the big doghouse, that's <laughs> right, yeah. Um, that's, that, to me, is interesting. Um, and I I like the idea of... Team Raw winning with all of their members intact. Like that somehow, some way, this team really did get along. And this team really did coexist. And this team, and you know, it helped that Rollins and Corbin couldn't get along with Owens and Jay Uso was distracted by that. And you know, the, the SmackDown team was a mess. But ultimately, I want to see the Raw team work together. Um, and then I think that and all of all five of them survive. Um, and then to have AJ Styles come out on Monday and take credit for it. I led this team to victory and have, you know, Riddle or Lee or Braun or whoever it is, or maybe all of them say, you didn't do anything, AJ. And now AJ is, is having to fight either all four of them or one of them or whatever it is. But that the, 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 uh, the the start of that rivalry comes with AJ trying to take credit for bringing his team together, mm. and the rest of the team saying you didn't you didn't do anything, AJ. How do you think Keith Lee is doing in the hype for this match? Is he kind of lost in the mix, or laying low waiting to strike, or shining and establishing a little more who he is? Yeah, you know, I I, I, I kind of feel about Keith Lee how I felt about uh, Shayna Baszler not that long ago, where I I just I don't. I think that, that they see Keith Lee as somebody with a lot of potential. He's, he's a charismatic guy. He's enormous. He's strong. He's athletic. You know, it should be a layup. I don't know if Keith Lee has really found himself on the main roster, and I don't know if the main roster has really found who Keith Lee is and how he fits into it. Because um, so his, his acclaim was, I'm a, big in, I'm a big guy who can do the moves that the smaller indie guys do. And that means nothing to Vince McMahon. We, I mean, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen the moves. So yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I don't think Vince wants him doing them. Like, you're a big guy, yeah. Russell, like a big guy. I mean, who are you? What, what's your story? And then Keith Lee tells him, and he goes, I don't like that. And now, you know, Vince is on a journey to figure out what to do with him. Yeah, I, yeah, and 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 sure. And so I, I, and I, yeah. I think that, uh, yeah, I don't think we're there yet on that journey. I, but yeah. you know, I mean, Survivor Series is a magical night historically for Keith Lee. This whole rise of Keith Lee started at Survivor Series. Interesting that nothing has been made of that because, you know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the, the reason I the reason I think Keith Lee is on the main roster now 
started with his performance at last year's Survivor Series representing NXT. Um, so I, I, I think you will see some cool stuff out of Keith Lee. And I think it could be cool if Keith Lee is the one that feuds with AJ Styles and, and, and we see, you know, a couple of pay-per-view matches between Keith Lee and AJ Styles and really have the opportunity to open the ring up. Um, but who knows? I, I like Keith Lee going heel as an opponent for Drew McIntyre, too, because yeah. if you're not going to do the flashy moves, then why is Keith Lee a babyface at this stage of his WWE tenure? Let him go out there and stick his nose in the air and act better than everybody else and demand to be worshipped and and be a, a big guy who you know can give off that he did behind the scenes in NXT. I, I, I know everything I need to know. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, he carried himself in a way where he had a reputation for, okay, you know, there's, it's on the wall, be coachable for a reason at the, at the performance center. Um, don't come in here thinking you know everything, be a sponge. Keith Lee has that history. He's worked out of it and, and made it to the main roster. So he can play off of that and then work his way into being a babyface after earning the respect of fans by, by being a good performer in that heel role. I, I think that's probably a more natural path for him. And again, he's getting a little bit of a late start compared to some other people. So you, you know, you can't take your time too much, but he's such a talent and he does yes. have some real star power. And I think there's an audience out there waiting to pay money to boo him. But I also think there's an audience waiting to pay money to cheer him in main events. If things break his way, but I don't think the journey is, ah, Vince doesn't know what to do with him and he's getting lost in the mid card. Yeah, no, no, no. I think I've, I've thought I thought he should be a heel after like you know his second match on the main roster or something like yeah. that. I completely yeah. agree with you, and I think that you know you're 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 a villain until people love you as a villain so much you become a, a good guy again. So I and yeah. and yeah, I think that that would be the path that Keith Lee would be on. But he also, you know, Keith Lee has this way when he when he cuts promos, he has a way of talking where he sounds like he thinks he's smarter than you. Like he doesn't speak in a in a in a in a normal he doesn't speak conversationally when he cuts promos. Like it's very it it's 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 very like almost like he's talking s- slowly so that you will understand what somebody of his intellect is saying. And I think just a slight the, the slightest tweak on that could really get grating in a good yes. way. I total I totally agree. There is a way that he talks that is like uh, I mean, there's different analogies, but like a little league coach who's just a little too hard on the kids, yeah, and yeah. you know, yeah. um, and thinks the game's a little more important than it is, and right. and or yeah, so or it's maybe like even wife, it's like what my wife tells me <laughs> when I when like we're arguing, and I'm like, Jess, like that's I, it's good what I said, and she's like, it's not what you said, it's your tone, it's <laughs> totally. how you said it, and I go, I don't know what you're talking about. She goes, there, that's it. <laughs> yeah, or the guy who talks at a party s- s- to you about why your viewpoint on some something politically is wrong, and he yeah. does so in a way where it's like, I have read a lot more than you, and I <laughs> know more than you, and if I say it quickly, you won't understand, but I'm right, and I'm going to talk at this pace and inform you how you should feel, and you're like, ah, I need to get out of here, you know, so yeah. it... it and again, I mean, you can tweak that a little bit, and it becomes kind of a cool affect for a babyface. But it absolutely, it can be tweaked a little bit to be, I want to see this guy get punched. Yep, yep. And I think Keith Lee has that ability to, you know, with one, turn the knob to the left, turn the knob to totally. the right, whichever direction you want to go to. But it could yep. be very effective. Sam, thank you so much. Tell people what you got coming up on your show, what they might have missed recently, and uh, how to follow you on social media. 
We'll definitely uh, check out the free version of the WWE Network because Not Sam Wrestling is it's my podcast is Not Sam Wrestling, but I have a show. I have my own show that I'm producing myself. It's not WWE produced. It's it's produced by me in my studio. The whole thing called Not Sam Wrestling, and it's it's totally unique. It's a, it's a, it's completely different from the podcast. I was so. shocked by your first topic. It's Vince McMahon too old to still be booking WWE. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, it is produced by me. Yeah, but I am aware of the audience. Right, of course, no, no, I don't. Just <laughs> I'm trying to but draw yeah. some people. They're going really, but <laughs> <laughs> but it is like you know, it's 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 wild to me as I make this show, and as you know, I I literally I send WWE the show, and they go thank you for the show, and then they put it on the network, and that's, <laughs> that's the whole thing. It's it's, yeah. it's amazing to me that it exists, and the stuff that I'm doing, just like you know, I went on a on a 12 minute monologue about how doink in 1993 was a top 10 character of all time yeah and that's now on the wwe <laughs> Network. it like it blows my mind that something so geeky and fan perspective and and kind of true to my essence as a fan is a show on the network but it yeah. is and i do interviews on the on the show uh as well I, we always have guests so we've had uh we've had mick foley on we've had samoa joe on we've had baron corbin on we've had uh x-pac on and um, we have a very, very special show uh, this week. So definitely check it out. Not Sam Wrestling comes on the free version of the WWE Network every Thursday. Um, it comes out at 10 a.m. on the, you know, on demand. So definitely check that out. And of course, the podcast Not Sam Wrestling comes out every Monday wherever you download podcasts. And Not Sam is my social media, Twitter, Instagram. Sam, thank you so much. Always a blast talking wrestling with you. Thank you, man. Yep. Take care. All right, so now we shift to my interview with AEW President Tony Khan. Sean Radikin, a PW Torch columnist, joins me for this interview with Tony. Here we go. Hey, Harley. Remember the days when women's wrestling matches were relegated to the mid-card dumping ground and treated like a glorified intermission? You mean the era when it was only men in the top spots in the main events, getting the biggest matches every night? Yeah. Hmm. Vaguely. Seriously, while we might have a long way to go, we really have come a long way, baby. And that's why we started Grit and Glitter, a podcast covering the best in the world of women's wrestling. From the horsewomen of WWE to the goddesses of stardom and everyone in between. Each Tuesday, Emily, myself, and our team of guest correspondents talk the best matches and the biggest news in women's wrestling. Plus, interviews, deep dives, and discussions about everything from media representation to gear to women in behind-the-scenes roles. Just search PW Torch in the podcast app of your choice to subscribe. Or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch DailyCast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. With uh, the first question, Tony, how are you doing today? I'm very well, Wade. How are you? <laughs> Good, thanks. Um, all right, my first question for you is is pretty broad, but after just over a year on the air with uh, AW uh, Dynamite, what has surprised you the most in a good way, and what surprised you the most in an unexpected detour or bad way, other than the pandemic? Um, in your first year of AW, you can Ooh. choose the good or bad. Other first. than the pandemic, yeah, I mean, that, that, that you've really thrown me for a loop. Other than the pandemic, because I got to tell you. Of things that have been a problem, I would say 
10 out of the top 10 have been related to the pandemic. So I'll have to really uh, go pretty deep in the coffers to find a big problem that was not peripheral to the pandemic. Um, for a pleasant surprise, uh, I would say that I'm, uh, I've been really pleasantly surprised how uh, many great wrestlers we've added since we started. Because we had a great group when we started, and we did a big pay-per-view right off the bat with Double or Nothing at MGM Grand. And we did a gr- great shows over that first summer when we launched Dynamite. And we launched Dynamite with a really great roster. And we've added so many people in the year since, a year plus. And the roster's come so far. And it was really cool uh, when I worked on the Casino Battle Royale at All Out because looking at that Casino Battle Royale versus the one we had done 15 months earlier and just seeing how much better and how much deeper our roster was, uh, that was really great. And we're still adding talent. There's more people coming in. Uh, there's people still debuting on Dynamite. And there's people that are you know working their way up our roster on Dark that I'm really excited about. And then there's big names that nobody knows about that, are, that, I'm, that I'm talking to. So uh i've got a lot of uh aces up the sleeve as i've said so that's been a pleasant surprise because i think i was i knew that we could build the roster up but there was more talent out there than i even thought and we really got some great people in and you know to have a match uh that i worked really close with the guys on and i feel i felt so strong about it when we didn't put ricky versus darby on the pay-per-view instead i i was agent for the battle royal and i put them in the battle royal in the kind of the big story, because the big story of the Battle Royal was you had Eddie Kingston and his guys, you had Lance and Jake, and you had Taz with Ricky and Brian, and then you had Darby. And it was kind of like, I think that's what, that's, uh, so you got Lance, uh, the two guys, plus five with Eddie, so nine. So it's like nine guys out of the 21. It was a pretty good chance out of that nine, one of those guys was going to win this thing if you watch the TV and the story. And uh, that was really fun for me because everybody was like, why didn't you put Darby versus Ricky on the pay-per-view? You've been working on that story. You know, they've done some stuff. You can't put every, a, you can't put every match on the pay-per-view, but also I like to have huge matches for dynamite, which is our biggest revenue stream and our biggest, <laughs> our biggest visibility. And it's just our franchise. It's our bedrock. Um, and Ricky versus Darby is one of the most successful things we've ever done on dynamite. And I'm really proud of that. Ricky wasn't even a guy who was here last year. And uh, I, I'm just really pleased with those guys. Uh, something that's been bad that is not related to the pandemic, that, like I said, is a challenge to answer because I think most of the bad stuff around here came from the pandemic. How, um, well, how about if I just suggest in the category of just logistically running a weekly wrestling show, did anything surprise you that was more of a challenge, including on the production side, on the creative coordination side, managing personalities, um, actually being yeah, in charge I mean, of managing like, wrestlers? I, 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 yeah, the, the, there was definitely an adjustment period on the, the weekly TV show uh, where the process, I've talked about it a lot, but the process kind of changed for me uh, after December. Because we've done so well in the ratings. We've only had one show where we didn't win the demo head-to-head for the night. And that's pretty amazing because we've been doing this well over a year and we've had great success, and we've only had one week this whole time where we didn't put out a new show, and it was the week of Christmas uh, in 2019. And that that prior week, December 18th, was you know the only time we've lost head to head. And I really had to do a lot of reflection on what had put us in that position and what I could do to to change things and, and what we could do to change the process. And I became 
uh, more motivated. I, that's the wrong word. I shouldn't say more motivated. I became uh, more productive in terms of trying to come up with my own ideas. And then also in terms of managing other people's ideas or just organizing the show or, uh, you know, taking outside ideas and trying to package them together. I just tried to become more proactive and also say no to more stuff. And uh, that was a big thing was just like, not, not, you know, roll, not rolling over on stuff I don't believe in. And I've tried not to do it as much this year. And I think the show is better for it. Uh, and um, that's, that's probably been the biggest change in 2020. And that's, it's, it's, you know, the early shows, there's a lot of really, really great stuff in the early shows. And it's great stuff because we had it planned for a long time. And it was the stuff we really wanted to do, but there's some other stuff uh, where I think the shows have gotten a lot better this not, year. Uh, so, not yeah, to that throw, would probably be the hardest. Yeah, not to throw anyone under the bus specifically, Tony, but just kind of if somebody watched shows in November, December last year, what would they look for or what should they notice that you decided wasn't working and that you wanted to change either conceptually or specifically when you kind of had that moment in late December? I just like I thought uh, getting back to our bread and butter wrestling was good. I thought we'd beaten up some of our big stars too much and I think we put a lot of resources into people and uh, we just had to relook at the stories and where we were at with everything. For me, uh, a big focus, like I try and look at other sources, peripheral to AEW, like even being the elite for ideas sometimes. And a great example of that December 18th period, when I was like, like, okay, what can we do that's different? What can we do to make this show feel more vibrant? Well, I saw Hangman up being the elite doing his drunk character. And he'd never done that on Dynamite. And I was like, okay, this is, that's Hangman from now on. Like, that's the new Hangman. And there's so much here. And now we're almost a year into it, and it's completely changed him. He connects with people in a completely different way. He's a much more three-dimensional wrestler. He was always, Steve is such a gifted, intelligent person, Hangman. Uh, but he, there was just something, a connection between him and the crowd that maybe, uh, he still needed to get, and we fa- we found it. Now he has everything he needs, and it was something that was literally already within him. It was a character he was literally already doing in sketches, and it was like this is what you need to bring to your wrestling. I basically did something very similar with John Silver when I saw him uh, doing his character on Being the Elite, and said like, no, this is what you should be doing on Dynamite. Uh, this is this is going to connect with people, and uh, so there's some things like that where it's like we just need to change the presentation of people. Uh, and then, uh, there were other things where it was like, you know, we need to, uh, establish some new, uh, you know, get some new heat here and we need to get some new heels. And, uh, I'd gone out, I was recruiting Brody Lee in early 2020 and, uh, also preparing for Taz to come in. I signed Brian Cage and he wasn't fit to wrestle right away. So I came up with a story that would kind of tease the arrival of Brian Cage which was Darby refusing the advice of Taz. And if you look back at the May 6th show, I'm really proud of it because it was our first show back together as a crew. And if you look at the amount of stories that just came out of that May 6th show, which was like, again, I had a lot of time in April in the pandemic because we taped all the shows at the beginning. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I talked to you, I think, that night, Wade. Um, it's been a long time, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Since then, but it, it you know we it was pretty miraculous how much we were able to get done and then shut the company down until we were able to put together our testing protocol 
And when we first came back for the first live show in over a month and we did the show May 6th, I knew we had to get everything in for Double or Nothing very quickly because we were, you know, this is three Wednesdays to the pay-per-view, and the only match that was established was Cody and Archer, the finals of the TNT tournament we had done in Atlanta. And in that one show, we set up in the main event the stadium stampede with the inner circle reuniting and standing tall with their name up in lights after they went five on two to beat Kenny and Matt Hardy in that great street fight where Sammy got hit by the golf cart and Kenny did the moonsault off the scissor lift and all the great stuff. And then we also, in addition to stadium stampede, we set up MJF and jungle boy set up the issue between Darby and team Taz. It's still going on over six months later. Uh, and it's been a great compelling story, I think. And, and it's still stronger than ever. And, uh, we, uh, also, uh, set up the, uh, another story for the casino ladder match with, uh, orange Cassidy and Phoenix. And, uh, there was just so much great stuff on that show. And then of course we also set up John Moxley and Brody Lee on that show. And so by the end of the show it was like, Holy crap, like double or nothing. <laughs> they got a pretty hot card here all of a sudden. And nobody had really done a wrestling pay-per-view like Double or Nothing in a long time. I mean, it would not double. There was a big difference in terms of the crowd size and the, uh, the atmosphere from, from revolution to Double or Nothing, but it was still, you know, uh, for, for, for us, it was like a, a, a return. Uh, and, and we had just done this great show with Revolution, and everyone thought it would be impossible to follow. I'm really proud of the show we put on with Double or Nothing 2020. So anyway, that's um, some examples of, you know, trying to get more organized. I guess, uh, and, uh, just, you know, I, I couldn't be, I, I, I had nobody to blame but myself for, for that one week we lost and I took it really personally and I told myself I need to do a better job and I think we, we've done a better job. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcast? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. Uh, Tony Sean Radican here. Um, Want to ask you about uh, you know your roster planning? You guys, uh, you know, obviously used AEW Dark really well. You've got you, a tag team like Top Flight's been featured on Dark and is facing the Young Bucks um, on Dynamite this week. But what goes into that for you in terms of roster planning? Um, you know, you, you've been a place where many independent talents have been able to get work lately during the pandemic where it's, you know, guys aren't able to really get out there too much with the lack of indies running these days. But in terms of big names and independent talent, you know, you guys have the two hours of dynamite and 
another hour is coming at some point in the future. But what factors go into you planning around your roster and who gets signed? And, uh, you know, is is, competi- is the competition like WWE coming in and looking for Youngtown as well and, and other companies uh, factor into that? And, it, it, you yeah. know, what's the, what are the biggest barriers to that in terms of, you know, yeah, we, we can sign these talents, but on the other hand, we only have the, you know, the dark and the, not only, but, you know, you only have so much TV time to distribute. Yep. It's a great question. It's a great question. Um, the pandemic changed Dark a lot. Dark was always supposed to be something of a developmental show for us, but it was also uh, a much shorter show, and we taped it in front of the live crowd, and we would do a Dark before Dynamite started, and then we would tape two or three Dark matches after Dynamite. And it changed a lot. When we came back, uh, and did shows in the pandemic, I was using the wrestlers as the audience, and I still am using wrestlers as the audience. So you see uh, a lot of the roster and sometimes extras and guys who are uh, in on tryouts and girls who are in on tryouts out in the sections with the baby faces or the heels on opposite sides of the ring. And when those people came in, I wanted to, A, give them work, and I was thinking in the beginning of the pandemic, you have all these independent wrestlers, especially around Florida and Georgia, that aren't really working. And they would kill to have this opportunity to wrestle on dark. And uh, we could do a bigger version of dark. It could be more of a developmental system for us than it used to be. Because now all of a sudden, without fans in the stands, we can tape as much as we want. I'm just paying for the production time. But I think they can't, you know, it's worth it. And it keeps the crew, look, it keeps the crew working too, which is great. And, uh, so that was my plan. I was going to turn dark into more developmental tape, a lot more matches. We went from doing three to like 10 or 11. And now we do like 14, 15, 16. And um, it's great. It, it, you know, we start before dynamite and then we stay late after dynamite doing matches. And we've developed people from this. Uh, there's people that have come in and signed that we had plans for that. You know, I wanted to build up and, and they've gone on and built their record up on dark and won a lot of matches on dark. And you see some of our top people on the show on a regular basis, like Ricky Starks uh, and Scorpio sky, who are really important people that have you know got a lot of wins on dark and a lot of exposure. And it's also been great for Ricky also on commentary uh, where, you know, he's really become like uh, the permanent guest host of the show and it's been a great platform for him. But then we've developed a lot of talent through the show Will Hobbs has become an important part of the show and an important person on Dynamite, and he's probably the best developmental success story I have through the pandemic because Will came in, and he's a guy we brought in to be on Dark, and I really liked him. And this is a cool story. Um, going back to Darby and Ricky, who I was talking about a little bit ago, um, when Ricky came in, he was effectively on a tryout. Cody had, had a list of people he was interested in working for the TNT championship. And some of the names he brought up were great names. Some of the names he brought up were people I had no interest in whatsoever. Uh, and a couple of the names I really liked were Ricky Starks and Eddie Kingston. And those are my two favorites. And I really wanted to see them both. And I thought this is almost like a tryout for both guys. And they both did great with it. And it was very different because with Eddie, um, I didn't really know exactly what to do with Eddie. And then uh, once I realized we had this opportunity that, you know, in Fighter Fest, we established the eight-man tag match of FTR and the Young Bucks versus the Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Brothers. Well, the Heels won the match, and it was like, gosh, we should do something with them now with Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Brothers. And then I realized, you know, with Pac being 
in England and at the time being unavailable before his recent return, uh, that it would be perfect to put a stable together around Eddie Kingston, kind of like Eddie Gilbert's first family. And Eddie Kingston would manage these guys. And there's a very natural conclusion to this story, which is now starting to, I shouldn't say conclusion. There's a, ne- there's a natural next step to this story uh, that is now starting to unfold before our very eyes on dynamite. And uh, so with Eddie, I, you know, after he did the match, I was like, he did great. I want to bring this guy back. I just need to figure out an idea. And that was the idea with Ricky. He was in the ring with Cody. And I knew minutes into the match, like what, I, what this guy was going to do, what I wanted to do with this guy, which was put in with Taz. And I actually called Moxley because we were taping the show and it was when John uh, had been exposed to Renee, uh, you know, cause Renee had COVID. So John sat out for a couple weeks and John was at home and we were taping the show. And I called John and told him like, I got the guy. It was like, I was like Marvin Berry. <laughs> like, uh, like, uh, you know, you know, that sound really people listen to this. Uh, and uh, so um, I was really excited about Ricky and uh, then working with him and Taz put together the story. Uh, we were just screwing around having drinks one night and Ricky said something about coming out. What if someday he came out like dressed like Darby painted? And I put that in the back of my mind. It was like, we will do that. Trust me. So when we did the Saturday night dynamite, I had put together a story. I needed a four minute Darby match. I generally like to match Darby up with bigger guys. I learned the hard way in the Darby Serpenico match that if you put Darby in with like another, like with a Lucha guy or something, a guy his size, that he Darby will be selling <laughs> for a lot of the match. So like better to have Darby in with somebody big and tell a cool story of Darby overcoming the odds, which is the stories I like to tell. And Will Hobbs was the perfect guy. It didn't, we didn't know him that well. He was pretty new, but I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to use you for this. So I was the agent on the match. So I went, I took Will and Darby and you know, it's different And for people who don't know. It's like, you know, I'm, for my job, I have to talk to everybody, go through the show and work with everybody on the whole show. But sometimes I'll take a match and specifically work the whole thing out and the, all the details and, and micromanage it more. So it's, it, you know, as opposed to just giving them a time or a finish or, or, or storyline bullet points, I'll actually do the whole thing. And uh, that was when I brought Will in to work Darby. And that was when Ricky came out dressed as Darby at the end. And then they, they beat down Darby uh, Will did tremendous in that match. He did great. And it was the first time I I worked that closely with him and I knew he really had something. And then when I did the battle Royal, um, he was a guy who was kind of the breakout surprise star who was, you know, went a lot further in this thing than anybody expected he was going to. And that was the idea. And, um, so Will is, when you ask about dark, I think Will's a great example of somebody that's come out and, and started on dark and, has worked his way up and there's other people that have built themselves up on dark. Cause Ricky, when he came in after the Cody match, he built his record up really strong on dark and built up a huge winning streak where he was a really credible main event type opponent for Darby. Um, so yeah. And now we're like, like you said, top flight are guys that have come in and will be on dynamite, uh, this week with the young bucks. You're going to have a great match. Uh, and we, we've got other acts. I, you know, I've met, you asked about, uh, WWE, I think WWE had, from what I understand, some interest in my guys, the acclaimed uh, Max Caster and Anthony Bowens, and not as a tag team. Um, I really, they, they're both creative pro guys. I really like the idea of putting them together as a team. 
And uh, they've really got something. Anthony's got tremendous charisma. He's got a great look. They're, they're both good workers. Uh, but Max, his rapping, uh, the presentation, I just really thought there would be something there. And tonight on Dark, you'll see it again. They're on Dark again tonight. Every week the presentation's gotten better. They've gotten better as an act. They're more refined. And I'm really excited about Max and Anthony and uh, the acclaimed. So there's a lot of great stuff going on in Dark. And also it's uh, our women's roster. We've uh, got a lot of young women uh, who have not wrestled on TV a lot before Dynamite. And now I think Dark is a great place for them to get experience, to get ready. Uh for TV matches. So um, we've got a, a great show there, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad uh, people seem to be enjoying it. The viewership for it's uh, in a really good place, and it's increased this year, and that's why uh, we're doing these long episodes of Dark now. Aloha, Torch Faithful. This is Kelly Wells, host of PWT Talks NXT. Every Thursday, you can hear me and my gang of idiots, Tom Stout, who shares thoughts from the live tapings, and Torch recapper Nate Lindbergh, as well as a rotating cast of guests, cover the matches and events in NXT Live on USA Network. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe, or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at PWTorchDailyCast.com. Cheers! You mentioned uh, baby faces and heels in some of your answers. What What is your philosophy on that? I know some people like have said, oh, that's passe or shades of gray or let the fans decide. So kind of a two-part question. Just kind of lay out your general philosophy on it and if it's evolved or changed at all, at all in the last year. We've seen the Bucks super kicking civilians, which I think was just very confusing if we're supposed to cheer for them. Um, and you have Kenny Omega, who's been on a very long journey where we haven't had a full house reacting to him. So kind of part one, your philosophy on that. Part two, has not having a full house of fans affected how fast or the way that you promote your characters on TV? It's a great question. Uh, I think it depends, like a lot of things in life. I think it just depends on the situation. Um, there are a lot of times where that line between babyface and heels is very clear and other times where it's blurry and there are times where it's good to blur it. And there's times where it's probably not good to blur it. Um, there's some of our characters you're seeing a little bit more edge to. And I think those characters, when they've uh, been presented at their best, they've had a little bit of edge to them. And maybe in this top flight match, you'll see a little bit of extra edge to the bucks because I think in this match, they may not be uh, the underdog baby faces for in this uh, situation, for example. Now, uh, I do think that we've had a lot of situations where I've stretched the limits of this thing and tested it. And uh, a good example would be, again, going back to the Casino Battle Royale, I was determined to put Lance and Eddie out there as the last two guys. Lance was going to win and Eddie was going to be the second guy. And I'd have some people question me internally, like, are you sure that's going to be what you want to do? Because... Uh, it's two heels out there. And I said, like, look at the story of this thing from the beginning. I mean, Darby was really the only babyface in the big mix because, like, of the main story of this battle royal, it's mostly been you've got the three heel groups, you know, Lance with Jake, uh, Ricky, and Brian with Taz, and then Eddie, the Lucha Brothers, and the Butcher and the Blade. So eight heels in, as tr- in terms of wrestlers plus 
uh, Taz and Jake, and then Darby. And uh, that's kind of been the story, and, and we're going to come down to Lance and Eddie. And I want to see what the crowd, how they react. And I was really interested. And I even told Lance to do some more babyface-type mannerisms, if that makes sense, just to get a complete read on this audience. And it was pretty interesting. Uh, this crowd really likes Eddie. And I presented Eddie as a heel, and uh, but you know I think national crowds might react the same way, but certainly the Jacksonville audience is really taken to Eddie, and uh, that was the one they picked. But I thought it was going to be a very interesting experiment, and it was a very interesting experiment. Um, so I do think it works. We've seen good, we've had success with both babyface versus babyface and heel versus heel, and then I've seen times where it, where it didn't work as well. A good example of when we surprised people with it and it was very effective was at the end of the Battle Royal for the first ever TNT title shot when it came down to Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy, which was something uh, I worked on as a fun surprise, um, where Orange comes out of nowhere. You almost forget he's still in this Battle Royal. And uh, anyway, but, you know, that, that, that they had an audience of over a million uh, for the last few minutes of the Battle Royal when it was Jungle Boy and Orange Cassidy out there. And I thought that was pretty cool. And so sometimes you do see uh, when two baby faces or two heels are in the ring, uh, a good reaction to it. And, and sometimes it's not what people want to see, but I think, um, you know, it's, it's, we're always learning. I, I think for me generally it has worked pretty well when we tried to do it though. Uh, and uh, I, I think that baby face and heel roles are very real. I think it is still an important aspect of the wrestling business. And I think in most of our matches, you can kind of get a sense of if somebody is a baby face or somebody's a heel. But a lot of times, like I said, uh, there may be a match where somebody's a flex, if that makes sense. And uh, I think having people that are flexible and can portray different character traits is really valuable. Uh, Tony, I want to ask you a quick uh, follow-up. Uh, about Hangman Page, you talked a little bit about um, how you were able to course correct with him uh, during the last year. It's not something I've seen a lot on, you know, on TV in the U.S. over the past 20 years where a character's kind of listless and then you're able to course correct. And you've kind of done it twice where with Hangman Page and the Dark Order where you've been able to adjust and then course correct. And then they just really get, you know, the act gets over. Uh, can you talk about that process? And, and is it, is it hard? Is it, was it hard for you to not move on and say, maybe this isn't working or is it something where, you know, we're going to, we're going to get this right and, and we can do this. Well, it's a great, these are, that's a great question, Sean. And those are great examples with, uh, those examples, I think it was very easy to stay with the people involved. Um, we, with Hangman, I mean, that's the biggest slam dunk ever. This guy's so talented. And I think people thought there's, oh, you know, he, they're going to have to turn Hangman heel. They're going to have to turn Hangman heel. Uh, well, I just never agreed with that. I thought that he is a person who will connect with the audience. We just had to find a way. And I think, we, like you said, we did find a way, and we were able to pivot it into something pretty neat. And... Then with the Dark Order, it always was just going to take the right leader for the Dark Order. And when we got John Huber, when we got Brody Lee, we finally found the right person for it. And uh, in my mind, I always thought he would be great for it. And 
I had to do, uh, you know, I had, I had to explain it to him why it was going to be so good. And uh, when he got behind it and he really sunk his teeth into it as he has, uh, he's, he's helped to make it great. And we've added more great people to it. And the people that were in it, they were good wrestlers too. So I think if, if you've got the right talent, even if something hasn't worked right away, um, you know, it's worth sticking with it. And I think it's the same thing in sports. You know, how do you make the decision? You got a, a high draft pick and he hasn't, you know, caught a lot of touchdowns. You got a high draft pick who hasn't scored a lot of, uh, you know, uh, points for you. Well, that's uh, a hard question. When do you keep playing this guy? When do you put him on the bench? I think in wrestling, it can be a similar thing. Uh, you have to look at the data. You have to look at your instincts and you have to take a look at the person. And, and if, if it's not working, you have to ask why. And I'm really glad in 2020, like you said, uh, we've come back and, Really, those have been really important people for us in 2020. I don't know. This, this is a great question. I think a lot of it comes down to instinct, not just your own instincts, but uh, uh, the instinct about those people, the, the, how the fans feel about those people. Um, the fans never stop believing in Hangman, and it's true that I don't think people really believed in the Dark Order the same way they later would, but that's also uh, – you know, that's because of the presentation, because we never had anybody like Brody Lee. And then there also we've added a lot to the presentation since then. Uh, you know, like I said about Silver earlier, I think Silver uh, is a huge part of the act now. And he's a very different person than he was at the beginning of this thing. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a great question. Uh, I think just have to take a hard look at it. Tony, my, my last question, it's a very short answer, I think, because um, I know we got a hard out here as far as your window of time. Um, how, what per, how often do you look at minute-by-minute minute ratings in one show over the course of several shows and have that affect your booking in terms of giving you more confidence or causing you to make a change? How much do those actual numbers matter to you when it comes to making those decisions? They matter a lot, and I'll be really interested to see uh, the ones from this week's show because uh, there are going to be some things in this week's show I'll be looking at really closely to see how they perform. And then on every well, every Friday, I go through them extensively. Uh, I'm really digging into the minute-by-minutes of that week's show every single Friday. Yeah. Uh, unless the, for some reason, you know, the, the NBA playoffs had moved the show, but, but pretty much any time the show's on Wednesday, which is, you know, 90-something percent of the year, um, I'm going to be very closely on Friday going through the minute by minutes and it one, one slot, one match, one minute isn't going to make or break my opinion on anything, but consistent performance will. And I'm starting to get a pretty good beat a year in here on who the audience really likes to see and who they, uh, don't like to see and who they like to see in certain situations and who they don't like to see in certain situations. So we're definitely learning a lot about it. And uh, and then there's people who haven't posted the biggest ratings yet, but I believe in these people, and I've given them chances. So uh, it, it definitely is something I look very closely at every week, and it's uh, a work in progress. I think, uh, you know, I won't just look at one week's data. I'm really trying to look at months' worth of rolling data and patterns that are developed. And the people – uh, that we're doing the biggest ratings this year aren't necessarily the people that did the biggest ratings in 2019, which I also think is really interesting. 
Great. Uh, Tony, thanks for taking a half hour out to talk to us today about the state of AEW and, uh, and Dynamite. I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a pleasure. It's always good to talk to you, Wade. And Sean, it's a pleasure to uh, get to talk to you, too. And hopefully I'll get to catch up with you guys again soon. This is a lot of fun, it's, although it, nothing will compare to the three-hour interview that Wade and I did uh, <laughs> the night before Dynamite started. That's right. That was a lot of fun. We'll, uh, we'll, 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 plan, we'll plan to top that someday. That'd be great. We can do a four-hour interview. Exactly. All right, cool. Thanks, Thanks, Tony. Tony. Take care. See you guys. We're now on Patreon. That's right. You can support us and get benefits at patreon.com slash PW Torch VIP. That's patreon.com slash PW Torch VIP. We have three tiers, $4.99, $6.99, and $9.99. The first tier gives you all the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts and Post Shows and the PW Torch Daily Casts with the ads and plugs removed. That membership tier also includes the VIP After Shows that on occasion we put on extended versions for VIP members at the end of the Wade Keller Shows and Daily Casts. And it's compatible with the Apple Podcast app, and any other third-party podcast app out there, or you can stream the shows directly from your Patreon app or the Patreon website. Or you can upgrade to Tier 2 for $2 extra a month and add the Wade Keller Hotline to the mix, a daily podcast just for VIP members who support us. Or you can upgrade to Tier 3 and get all the Wade Keller podcasts and post shows and daily casts with the ads and plugs removed and the VIP after shows and the Wade Keller hotlines, plus all the other VIP exclusive podcasts and a PDF and all text version of the weekly Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter and a 20 years ago Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter every week. Full details on how to support us and get so much in return with three different tiered options at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. You can still support us directly on our website and get the full VIP benefits for $9.99 a month by going to pwtorch.com slash govip. That has not changed. This is just an additional option for those of you who are familiar with and like supporting creators on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. One of the really cool parts of being a VIP member is getting to relive history through the pages of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issues. We have... Pro Wrestling Torch newsletters dating back to the late 1980s. We put a new back issue up from 20 years ago that week. And so when you go VIP, you instantly have access to over 1,500 back issues and a new PDF, along with an all-text version, if it's easier for you to read that on your phone, uh, goes up every weekend. And the latest issues include a cover story from the June 10th, 2000 issue on Goldberg's return to WCW and whether he's a solution to what was ailing WCW at the time. Also, my column titled, Vince Russo is from Outer Space. And Bruce Mitchell's column, still timely today, unfortunately, of racist gimmicks and poverty pimps was the title. That's issue number 606. The week before that, issue number 605 from June 3rd features a cover story that talks about how there could be a shakeup in the wrestling industry with WCW for sale and ECW having an uncertain future. And also a Bruce Mitchell column spoofing Vince Russo titled, How I Became World Champion. If we go back another week to the May 27th, 2000 issue, it had detailed coverage of the Judgment Day 2000 pay-per-view, including my review and staff roundtable reviews of the Rock Triple H 60-minute Iron Man match, and also the final installment of the Lance Storm Torch Talk, 
with his thoughts on various ECW colleagues. The week before that, the May 20th, 2000 issue, issue number 603, features a cover story on Ric Flair's collapse in the ring during Nitro. Part 3 of the Landstorm Torch Talk with his explanation for why he decided to quit ECW, our coverage of ECW Hardcore Heaven, the pay-per-view, and more. And then the week before that, the May 13th issue features a cover story on the changing TV landscape in pro wrestling, with the WBF moving from USA to TNN and a potential shift of ECW. Also a cover sidebar story on the death of an ECW fan after a hotel party and WCW Slamboree coverage. And the week before that, our coverage from the May 6th issue, number 601, of David Arquette winning the WCW title. My EndNotes editorial examining Vince Russo's controversial decision and flippant comments about title belts. Our coverage of WWE Backlash 2000 and more. I could keep going on, but that gives you an idea of what you're missing out on by not being a BIP member. Imagine settling in on the weekend and uh, kicking back and reading wrestling history, not through the lens of WWE filtering it to their benefit, not through people looking back on it through today's lens, but what was said at the time, the week it happened, by some of the voices that you are familiar with here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and PW Torch Daily Casts. So go VIP and relive professional wrestling through the way the Torch covered it in real time with contemporaneous coverage of pro wrestling's biggest events, biggest news stories, biggest personalities. I think you'll have a blast. It alone is worth the membership price for so many of our members. Check out details on everything else that comes with the VIP membership, including daily podcasts that are VIP exclusive and shows like this with the ads and plugs removed. Go to pwtorch.com slash govip for full details. That's pwtorch.com slash govip. Prices are as low as $8.25 a month on average if you subscribe for a year or check us out for a month for $9.99. Some of Pro Wrestling's best podcasts are VIP exclusive. And you can go VIP and find out why we have been supported by paid subscribers for over 30 years with our exclusive top shelf content, including Pro Wrestling Torch senior columnist Bruce Mitchell with the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show. I usually host that program, although he has a variety of guest hosts with different themes and unmatched historical insight, but primarily providing insight and hard-hitting analysis and opinion on what today's news means. Also, The Fix with Todd Martin. Every midweek, Todd and I sit down for two and a half, three and a half hours with analysis of the latest TV shows and major events from WWE, AEW, New Japan, and many others. Plus, he'll keep you up to date on what just happened in the world of MMA, USC, Bellator, and more, and what's coming up the following weekend. Plus, book reviews, reviews of documentaries, and so much more comprehensive coverage of the worldwide pro wrestling scene. And then the unmatched mailbag segment. This is one of the highlights of the week in the pro wrestling podcast world. I know I sound like I'm exaggerating, but this is great stuff. The fixed listeners provide fantastic questions, and Todd delivers every week. You will learn, you will think, and you will appreciate professional wrestling on another level when you go VIP. And that includes Bruce and Todd joining me for post-pay-per-view roundtables following WWE and AEW pay-per-view events where we spend roughly an hour, sometimes longer, breaking down the pay-per-view. As soon as it ends, we are recording that podcast, and within about 90 minutes, it's available for VIP members on our VIP-exclusive podcast feed. All the VIP shows are available on popular podcast apps on both iPhone and Android. No ads, no plugs on the VIP exclusives, and we remove the plugs and ads from the free shows that also show up on the VIP podcast feed sometimes sooner 
then the general public has access to them. That's just scratching the surface. Go check out full details on VIP benefits, including retro radio shows from the early to late 1990s, our podcast dating back to the mid-2000s, back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, over 1,600 of them, and so much more. Full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. Join the ranks of the most well-informed and most entertained pro wrestling fans with the best podcast lineup anywhere. Go VIP and get these shows with the ads and plugs removed also. A huge bonus. pwtorchvipinfo.com. Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at PWTorchDailyCast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PWTorch DailyCast lineup. Just search PWTorch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information, PWTorchDailyCast.com.